Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of Purple Hyacinth, Even Escape. Today we have Flute, Lilia, and Shivy. And we're so excited to do this episode because it is filled with awesomeness. And Flute is going to take it away because she <laughs> loves okay. this. So we're starting off with one of the best scenes in the entire series. <laughs> And we picked off right where episode 86 left off with Lauren opening the door for Lady Nera Elena Darcy. And she's standing there looking glamorous. <laughs> and then we get the title card in episode 87. So immediately we see that she's very polite and she's um, curtsying to Lauren saying good evening. Um, and then Will's also there, so she's like, it's been a long time, William. And nice to finally meet you, Miss Sinclair. You look just as lovely as they describe you. And she thanks him. Uh, Will then <laughs> Will takes her hand and says, glad you arrived safely. You are as ravishing as always, Lady Darcy. Please let me take care of your coat. And then Darcy laughs or chuckles and says, you're still as gentlemanly as ever, William. And that, and then we get our first lie of many. You know, I was relieved to hear from my father of your serious interest in other meeting, uh, in other meetings. So, like, just first impressions. What do you guys think? Very stiff and formal. I mean, they they're both extremely stiff and formal here, and they're saying true things. Like William does say, she is ravishing. He is really gentlemanly, and but. You know, it, it seems like William just is totally, we know William, we don't know her yet, but from what we see of Will, he's putting on this very polite front. It does mm -hmm. not seem very natural to him. I love Definitely. Darcy. Same. Yes. I love Darcy. <laughs> I love Darcy so much. Like, okay, so if, like, you know me on the Discord, I simp for a lot of characters. I don't really simp for Darcy, but I feel like I can connect with her. I feel like I'm more like Darcy personality-wise. She's just like, she knows what she's doing. I feel like there's a purpose why she's here. That's just a hunch. And you just get this vibe that, you know, she feels bad for Will. You know what I mean? But it's like, they just have to do what they have to do. Oh, yeah. I'm very curious about, about Darcy's personality because we didn't know anything about her before like last episode we just saw her for one panel like we didn't know anything about her personality and we still didn't get into much yet but after this whole encounter I was very pleased and relieved to and we could talk about it like after we finish the Darcy like the whole Darcy scene because she displays a lot of her personality in that in these scenes mm -hmm. but you can I see right away is that the father Stefan is pushing them to me and you know she says she's lying, right? She was relieved to hear about your serious interest in other meetings. So their father is clearly pushing them to have a relationship and she's not into it. Mm -hmm. Literally in like the same boat as Will. 
like and i guess she also has no not much say in the matter yeah from what it seems i've been saying this for months like since episode 67 like when i when we first got introduced to the idea of her and he's like you know guys like because a lot of people were hating on her a lot of people thought that she would get in the way of kiwi and we'll see that later on of course um as we will discuss that later on as we get more into the scene but i was like y'all we don't even know this girl she probably doesn't want this i'm willing to bet my entire existence that she is not straight that was like my first thought like i think if yeah. you search in the discord the first thing i said about darcy was that she was a lesbian this is before this episode yeah, like this is yeah. It was with the concept art when I think it was like it was in a different server, I think, but it was when Soph was like she was drawing concept art. Oh, okay. So it wasn't but she didn't different. say that it was Darcy, like she just drew a character and then we had no idea who it is, but a lot of people were guessing that it was yeah. Darcy, and I guess mm-hmm. we ended up being right. Because a lot of people that are introduced in Purple Hyacinth are soon introduced thereafter for a reason. There's like everything that builds up, there's so many reasons for things. So yeah, you don't get name dropped without showing up. Like I think. <laughs> yeah, like Raph- like how Raphael was name dropped in also sixty seven, and then he showed up in episode seventy. It w- oh. That was not a very short time span. It actually, I was actually a little bit surprised because it was like, oh wow, that was really soon. <laughs> I remember doing the stream for I think seventy one or seventy when Raphael showed up for the first time. We didn't know that. Um, well had a brother so we were starting to like guess if Raphael was like an illegitimate son of the hawks or something oh like that gosh. you remember that Shibi? yeah we were doing like that the eye color like how it would turn out depending on the parents like what do you guys think Josephine's eye color is did she have a is Stefan the one with the bastard son or so forth and then we were saying that Stefan probably has a bunch of bastard sons Oh my gosh, the amount of theorizing that goes on. I've never seen this much theorizing. (laughs) It's madness. But Soph loves Darcy and she didn't hide Darcy from anybody. So it's like Darcy has always been a topic of discussion, especially in the streams, not so much in the server until the chapter release. But yeah, you just get that vibe. I watched like all the Darcy streams and the amount of something going on was incredible. (laughs) Darcy just has like this power enigma around her. Like, she could mm-hmm. stomp on you and you thank her. <laughs> I wouldn't, but it's okay. I wouldn't do it to Kieran either. So, because I don't watch frames, I missed a lot of them. So, I I only started really hearing about all this simping like actually before this episode came out for Fast Fast because the streamers were being a little not very subtle. Mm, yeah, and very but I did actually. I think it was the first concept stream, which was back in December. People were yelling at me to get on that stream because they thought it was Darcy and the concept art was like really similar to a concept I had drawn uh, like a month prior. And I won't lie, I did scream when I saw the concept. But I mean, it's, it's eerie how similar it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought it was Darcy and I was so excited I was just waiting for this chapter to happen I'm just really glad Darcy is in the same boat as well like and their childhood friends that which we'll get to it's just mm-hmm. I, I'm sure it's so awkward for the both of them 
I this is just a little bit ironic. I think we discussed it in the 86 chapter or podcast a little bit, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of comments um in the episode 67 chapter and the episode 86 chapter that are just kind of mad at Darcy for existing <laughs> because she she's supposedly just getting in the way of the Kiwi ship and I do find it a little bit ironic that instead of focusing on the people pressuring the two together, they're focusing on the girl who's yeah. just as helpless in all of this yeah. as Honestly, Will. Even if she was interested in Will, like as far as she knows, he's single and she doesn't know that even that Kim even exists. So like you can't even yeah. fault her if she has an interest. Like I don't see why she's getting a lot of hate. I like Will himself even is aware of his interest in Kim. <laughs> Nobody yeah. even Kim yeah. doesn't acknowledge it. Like we're the only ones who are into it. <laughs> us and the rest of the office. And Lauren. Of them and speaking of Lauren, like the, if you just watch Lauren the whole time, it's just like a captain <laughs> watching her <laughs> ship, like thinking, like, what's happening? Wait, what? <laughs> her expressions are priceless in this whole interaction. Okay, so we get our first lie, and it's, you know, I was very, again, it's, um, you know, I was relieved to hear from my father of your serious interest in other meetings. So she obviously does not want to be here either. She's, she does, she doesn't have any interest in Will. She's, she would pass it up if she could. Then we get probably some of the most lies in the entire series in like the shortest amount of time. Like, if it, they are just going back and forth with this red text and lauren is just <laughs> that we didn't expect mm-hmm. lauren's just like going back and forth between them so will continues in his my serious interest ah uh, yes i was excited to learn you'd been invited to the sinclair's party i would love to keep you company tonight so he was not happy to see her invited and he does not want to keep her company tonight and Lauren knows this. And then Darcy says, me too. I really enjoy these festive gatherings. She does not like these festive gatherings. That is also in red text. And I would love to pick up the conversation we left off last time, which is also in red text. So she does not want to pick up the last conversation. And Lauren is basically us. Lauren is just looking a bit dumbfounded through all of this. And we see her thinking, what is going on? And then we get a break from the lies and Darcy says, by the way, your place looks splendid, Miss Sinclair. And she hands her coat to Will. Uh, would you mind showing us around? And Lauren's like, oh, it'd be my pleasure. And we don't know if that was a lie or not because unfortunately, Lauren's lies do not show up for us. <laughs> All of Lauren's text is always read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think there would be, yeah, less mystery if, if, uh, yeah, we would see her lies. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can imagine the conversation between Will and Darcy being that awkward, like, yeah, our fathers are forcing us to do this, so what do we do? <laughs> Just go with it, I guess. <laughs> it's when your parents make you play with the neighbor's kid. <laughs> Just act like you're enjoying yourself. Honestly, Lauren is just us during this entire interaction lost and confused trying to figure out what the hell is happening and watching or maybe thinking that our ship is going to sink and it's 
I think this was like in episode 86. This is the first time that we've really seen Will lying, like where his words actually showed up in red text. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first lie was in 86, but um, it wasn't really a conversation. It was more of a comment. And so here's like the actual conversation. And so I guess um, on to the next part. We pick up with Darcy speaking and she says, I'd love to go horseback riding with you someday, William. And that is a lie. And that's cool. Like she horseback ride. I thought she would fence. I mean, the yeah. possibility is still out there, but <laughs> she's an equestrian, which is, I think, exciting. <laughs> so I hope like, that doesn't happen. Like, which upper class activity does she engage in? Tennis, horseback <laughs> riding, fencing. In the wheel to find out. <laughs> she probably yeah. has like a big stallion. Like, she, that's what Darcy does all day. She just rides around on a horse. She doesn't use cars. I mean, she probably didn't even want to go in that car. She wanted to ride on a horseback. <laughs> we could take this the depressing route and say that horse riding is how she expresses herself and how she feels free. Because ow, ow. yeah, it hurts. Like, ow. Well, each of the characters have their own little thing that they cope with, so maybe that is hers. Mm-hmm. Hers is. Like, well, I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it could be like a solitary thing where you just go on a horse and just you know wander off on your own. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, that hurts. Um, and so, oh my god. Okay, so then Will he's says, a female William. Then Will says, that'd be lovely. Yes, which, and that's a lie. And then he says, I heard you are an, an outstanding writer, Lady Darcy. There are beautiful tracks on the outskirts of the city that I'd like to show you. And that part, that last comment there is a lie. And that sort of suggests that Will also does a little bit of horseback riding, which is interesting. And then Darcy says, that's very thoughtful of you. My father was right when he said you'd be perfect for me. And that last comment of her about being perfect is a lie. So yeah, she's not interested. She does not want to be here. <laughs> and then and that, that comment also is like so on the nose where she's mm-hmm. just, you know, telling us, okay, my dad wants us to be together. I mean, mm-hmm. whether it's, I wonder if how much she's saying it, like, because obviously, like, her, she and Will know that. I wonder if she's saying that for Lauren to understand, you know, because mm-hmm. she may not understand what's going on. She's kind of helping her out, especially because she has that expression on her face. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is like leaving us in no doubt that it's the dads who are uh, matchmaking here. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe that, you know, both dads might be apostles. This is an old theory of mine from like, January. Mm-hmm. Trying to form a PS alliance by marrying his kids. Because, yeah, like, gonna... you know, to accumulate more power for himself in the PS, like, make sure people are on his side. So, what if, like, both their parents are apostles? Right. So, I, I definitely, I've said, like, I don't think Stefan will, he wouldn't strike me as to be as someone who's mm-hmm. part of the PS. Yeah, that's true. But because of like his obsession with social hierarchy and, uh, and the, the conversation in last um, last episode, but you never know. We could be surprised. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll get more on that topic because of a panel that's coming up later. But like, there is a lot that I want to say about it. I definitely think like I'm just gonna slip this in. I'll probably bring it back later. But I think for Stefan, he has no interest in. Um, like you know the social hierarchy and bringing bringing it down 
his only interest is keeping his position in the new world that the PS will create. And so he wants to be on the good side of the Phantom side. That definitely could be because <laughs> I definitely see that the Phantom side does seem to attract people who are just power hungry. So mm-hmm. that's a, totally, that is a, a possibility. Yeah. And right, like, I'll, I'll, I'll say this really quick. Um, if Stefan, okay, so he's like retired, right? And he wants the best for his son. Maybe, you know, this is going off if Rafael's in the PS for his dad, but if Stefan knows that the new world is something that's going to be happening where the Phantom Scythe is the one that's in charge, he's going to want to be on the right side. So maybe that's why he's, mm-hmm. you know, in it or a part of it. He has faith that the Phantom Scythe will succeed. And because of that, he wants to stay on top. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the consequences. Mm-hmm. Maintaining his own status. And so then we continue with Will and he says, your father flatters me. I'd love to see your parents soon. And that is a lie. He does not want to meet the parents. <laughs> There's so many lies. He hasn't met the parents. Yeah, he hasn't. Uh, well, I'd love to see your parents soon. I guess like we do know that they have seen each other before. So that might be a possibility. and she says I also can't wait for my grandmother to finally meet you so the grandmother has not met Will but um, her parents and then I think this is Will he says how exciting and that is also a lie and Lauren is just looking done she's her eyes are empty she's like before we go on um i want to point out two things so her glass did you notice that the, the three glasses now they're all empty yeah i don't know what was up with that it's, uh, yeah did she they're finish all drinking empty. or something wait i did that or it's an error it's <laughs> just probably just them. yeah because one was full and it's full later, I thought. Or wait, now. I don't know. I mean, the glasses are empty for the rest of the I'll chapter, actually. It. Well, it drops. Mm-hmm. One of them dropped it. I don't know. Anyway, so Lauren, <laughs> Lauren says. Before, oh, sorry, or, one more thing. Um, I think that it is significant that she talks about her grandmother. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if her grandmother is someone important in the story. Like maybe, yeah. so we know that King Edward died, right? But I don't think we mentioned anything about what happened to his wife maybe her grandmother is the former queen prince philip's mother i mean king philip's mother i was thinking that her grandmother's on the council oh oh that could be true because old yeah. people are on councils so i don't trust and... any old people yeah, maybe. Oh my God, maybe her grandmother is lady a <laughs> no. that would be wild <laughs> oh my god oh my god um <laughs> I think that would explain yeah. her suspiciousness, by the way. <laughs> Lady A is on the council. She knows the whole thing. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. Um, I think this is a while back. One of Darcy's names, I think it was Nera, is actually like it was a noble name, like a n- name from nobility. And it mean light? Means, uh, I think Elena means light, but uh Nera means ferns, I believe. Right? So if Nera means light, that would be perfect for the lamp lady. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think um, Darcy being related to nobility is not that far-fetched. 
as if but, you're considering um, her name. Yeah, and she's from a proper noble family. So that would mean that it's a lineage of proper noble ancestors. Yeah. Now that I think about it, like Lady A and uh, Nara were the only people called Lady. Like they're the only ones so far we've seen with that title. So maybe oh, <laughs> they're related. Uh, we've seen Duke for Stefan and Viscount, but we haven't seen any other ladies. Anyways. Oh wait, Lauren is called Lady too, but I by her maid, like I think back Lady in episode Lady. one. Lady Lauren. So, but I don't know if that's an actual title or that's just like employee, you know the maid talking to her superior. Yeah, mm-hmm. because the Sinclairs did come from out of town. I'm not sure if they would have any of the special titles except for like their job ones. Hmm. So, anyways, uh, Lauren's thinks okay that's enough I have to do something about this and she closes her so in the next panel I just love the composition of this because it feels so uneasy but in the next panel she does a fake trip and she purposefully lets go of one of the glasses and then Darcy like the ever agile is Uh, quickly and swiftly just grabs the glass and takes Lauren by surprise in this beautiful panel where they make eye contact and Darcy's holding the glass and she prevented it from falling and Lauren's like huh and then Darcy's like why are you looking at me like this was I not supposed to catch it and Lauren's like you were not supposed to catch it drop it and follow my lead and Darcy's like she nods so Darcy drops it just because like, shatters on verbal communication mm-hmm. <laughs> they have a rapport and then lauren's like oh i don't think i feel so good and then darcy's like oh my god miss sinclair you look so pale and that is a lie <laughs> and then poor darling is also a lie and then let me take care of those glasses um will says lauren are you okay and then darcy says william you should take her you should take your friend upstairs to rest i'll be fine on my own and then Lauren's like, we're leaving here. And Will says, okay. Or like, <laughs> she's like, we're leaving here. And Will's like, okay. And then uh, Lauren says, don't worry about the glass. I'll ask a maid to take care of it. And then Will says, I'll be right back. Terribly sorry about this. Uh, he's not sorry about that. He's kind of bad for Darcy. Like, I know she isn't interested in him, but it does hurt a bit when like yeah. someone doesn't want to be around you and you haven't really done anything wrong. Especially someone like Will, you know? Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think she's grateful based on what she says next. I think she's so happy to get out of this situation. Yeah. Yeah. And then she says, no problem. I understand. I will join the other guests in the living room. And then Darcy says, I don't know how you noticed, but thank you. And Lauren says, no problem. And that ends our Darcy scene. I love that scene. So, so based on that, I think she was quite happy to get rid of Will mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> But yeah. like what I noticed that when Will or Darcy talk are talking about each other, like their compliments are genuine. Like I guess they realize that the other one is such a catch, but like they still want nothing to do with each other. But they still like, I guess, I don't know. I think they have a lot of friendship potential. To be yeah, they respect they each other so much. Yeah, they definitely um, they like the other, but just like not when they're not as a romantic partner, especially when it's forced. Mm-hmm. but yeah like she said there is so much friendship potential and I really hope that they do not let 
their circumstances bar them from becoming closer friends because I think that you know they would both benefit from some more friends <laughs> especially I, what, with the fact sorry, that ahead. they might be in the same boat sorry mm -hmm. I yeah I admire Darcy's ability to pick up on Lauren's unsaid you know I communication you know <laughs> mm -hmm. where she like immediately caught on that Lauren was trying to create a distraction to get rid of this you yeah. know conversation and she just went along with it Mm -hmm. yeah, I actually said that reminded me of like Loon's earlier days where they just I communicate know. through like hand signs and like looks. And stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. It makes me think Darcy's going to be the one that finds out a lot more about Lauren. Okay, so I love Darcy, but I am suspicious of her. Like, there's got to be a reason why she's here. And the whole glass catching thing, maybe she's just got fast reflexes. I don't know. And then the whole eye thing. So that alone, it just has this instant friendship connection between Lauren and Darcy that I feel would be so good mm -hmm. and then uh what was the other one? Oh, shit I lost it um so well you find that I'm just gonna drop in some oh yeah more thoughts. go ahead I was looking um, I have to like Mindy said Darcy is actually pretty intelligent. Like she was able to pick up on what Lauren was doing and she realized that Lauren somehow knew um, her own thoughts and feelings. And so I do definitely think that Darcy may come into play again, like with Loon. And I hope that she does end up helping Loon for good and not in that she isn't against them, but she will definitely play a lot of significance into this story. Just her, like you guys said, her being able to pick up on the eyes and her just picking up on like Lauren. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. I think Darcy's going to be the next person to find out that Lauren can, um, her ability, you know what I yeah. mean? Right uh, now? Because, okay, so there was a, sorry, there was a, a panel from a while ago that I, when I was rereading through and uh, Lauren joked like, oh yeah, I was in 37. She's like, huh, I can't see the future. I can't read the future. And then I was like, oh my gosh, so that has to be the other ability. I just have that feeling, you know what I mean? So the fortune teller could see her future and maybe the fortune teller and Darcy know each other or maybe they're even related. So I think Darcy believing in that ability would be a lot higher chance than other people like Will. Mm -hmm. If they aren't Darcy related, has an ability. Oh yeah, she That'd might have amazing. an ability. And <laughs> Darcy Jeez, has the ability you... of being kick-ass. <laughs> She has the ability of making people incredibly gay, <laughs> but um, she'd be what you said. So about like her being maybe like, you know, a little bit PSC. A while back on the old server, F actually said something very interesting about some people to expect in season two. And one of them was someone with the initial E and it was most likely a last name E because I'm not sure if this is very noticeable, but the loon convicts actually had an alphabet to them. They were in alphabet. So we got Onslow for A, we got Blakesley Holden, um, D, what? He was Davenport, Davenport, I think. Yeah, D is Davenport for Bella. Then we skip E and we go to F, I'm I mean, not sure. Flemings. Flemings, yeah, Flemings. that was it. And I think McTrevor, McTrevor is M, so he was the only one out of that. But yeah, there's an alphabet there. And they skipped E, but 
E is supposed to show up somewhere this season, and it could be Evans, but because Evans was uh, introduced in season one, it is very likely that it is uh, it is Nera Elena Darcy. You think it's not the cigar lady? I think. I mean, it could be cigar lady, lady, but we still don't know her name. I like the Evans idea because it's a last name and because he suddenly showed up at this party. I mean, her name last name could be Evans. It could be his mom or something. <laughs> Maybe his first name is Evan. <laughs> Evan, Evan. Evan Evans. Kind of like the um the Mitch Trevor kid. <laughs> Trevor McTrevor. And um the panel of like where Lauren's like, I don't feel so good. And Darcy's like, oh you poor darling. I love that panel so much because they're just they're in on and like Darcy's just sort of wing womaning Lauren and Lauren's <laughs> wing womaning Darcy. Yeah, there's such good friendship potential. I love it. Yes. It's oh, I just friends. love it so much. <laughs> like part of the reason why I'm upset the party's over is that we're not gonna see Darcy for a while. Yeah, we don't know when Darcy will come back. <laughs> Hopefully sometime soon. I am yes. praying. Yeah, I'm hoping a lot more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just when like when she thanks her too, and Lauren's like, "No problem," and they wink. Oh, it's a good scene, and it's a good impression for Darcy. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm so smug that she actually turned out to be a good person and like to be like really nice because, you know, I wasn't sure back in November, we just heard her last name. We didn't know what she was like. And so like, I was hoping that she'd be nice and kind and just a good person. Yeah. And someone <laughs> and that so that can wouldn't go with the whole like evil love rival, uh, love rival, love triangle route. And I'm very happy with how this turned out because she's already a complex and layered character who has her own motivations or is already being like fleshed out in what she does and you know maybe some of her own coping mechanisms with the horseback riding and she's not interested in Will and despite her not being interested in Will and her just not really having much romantic significance to any of the 04 she's still a great character and I love that she wasn't she's not 2d and she wasn't belittled to someone 2d or just someone evil and mean who's easy for us to hate she's a genuinely great character (laughs) and like she said she's already relatable uh, relatable to so many people and that's amazing I think yeah, it's definitely a quality that she has over other people in the cast because, like, Darcy's the kind of person that could change based on who she's talking to and just, you know, encapsulate people's attention. Mm-hmm. And that's why Will's dad is like, oh, she's a good choice. I mean, she even convinced that guy. And also, um, 
this is also amazing too but she's probably like our first we we had Hikate or I don't know, I don't know how to say her name but she's probably going to be our most relevant POC character and the POC our big relevant POC character being so like just such a great and well-written one that's also amazing because um representation isn't usually great and well I do think that seeing someone with more melanin introduced earlier into the story or having one of the 04 you know or several of the 04 have melanin would have been preferred I'm still glad that we are getting this representation because this is Darcy is a great character and she might even be LGBTQ plus so yeah and the way with the, the whole like timeline or like the whole like time period of Purple Hyacinth gives us these chances to have like this kind of fictional world because I mean obviously mm-hmm. back then at that point in time Lauren wouldn't have been a police officer etc cetera, etc cetera. so now we have you know someone of color who is in a position of nobility and whatnot and it's just like fun to live in this fiction world of what if you know if mm-hmm. that were a thing and I see a lot of tv series doing that now as well you know and I like that mm-hmm. um this is just oh this is um not really related to Darcy but I've seen so many people try to justify the amount of white passing or white seeming characters in PH with oh it's just historically accurate but that's not really a great argument when defending why there are so many white passing characters because um you know, PH and Art Hollis, it isn't historically accurate. We see women working in the police in a era that's supposed to be based off, but isn't defined completely by the Victorian uh, the Victorian era. It was something like Soph described it as like the late 1800s with a merge mm-hmm. of like 2050 South Korean... <laughs> I don't know timeline she like merged it together like it's like this futuristic but also not Mm -hmm. I'm actually looking up now when the phone became popular because that those are the few things yeah they do keep some things accurate like the shower heads in the shower uh Kieran doesn't have a refrigerator (laughs) he does not he does not what (laughs) how does he survive I don't know (laughs) I mean, in episode 37, he had a candle out or something in the in the living room. Yeah, he's literally... <laughs> carrying but they have flashlights. Like, what? They yeah, he has actual talkies? light bulbs, though, in his house. He just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he has a talking. little lamp in his... Uh, he has a little desk has... lamp in his, um, his studio. He's... Yeah, he his has desk. a few lamps. He has one out in the living room, too. And the police have a... The, the police have walkie-talkies, which I, I think was invented that in that the 1930s or 40s. 1937 I just looked that up I think that's the latest thing that they had in the whole comic yeah wait no 
I spotted something in 83. There is a keep calm and drink beer poster. And that is very oh, yeah. quickly 2014 okay. There's energy memes right at the there. Bar. So that yeah. is as far as this era is coming. Um, there's there's also Smirnoff. I don't know when Smirnoff was around, but like the bottle is very modern and it's in the Tango <laughs> episode. I was like, huh, okay. And there's F-Zero Peppa Pig. Actual, like, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, there's Oh, and those are like Bluetooth things that they used in the uh, Carmen Camellia. Like, I'm pretty sure that's not. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it does not exist. Something right here. Also, I mean, they have all Kieran's Gucci. So. <laughs> yeah, Kieran's Burberry. His Burberry jacket. Hey, what did I miss? What did he have that was Gucci? <laughs> We're just like at the carnival, like his Burberry jacket. It was basically a Burberry jacket because it literally looks like one. And like all his clothes are very nice. So we just make fun of him and say he wears Gucci and Yeezys and shit. <laughs> I can't, I'm very much not a fan of brand name stuff. And like I would, I know, I would, right? lose, I would lose respect for him if he cared about that stuff. Let's just say. <laughs> but anyway. well, it's funny because like he, you know, he even said that he, he's thankful that he has clothes and stuff. So I see Kieran like on the outlet. <laughs> He's already in debt, so he has to get like the outlet stuff. So he does have the best fashion sense in in the comic. Uh, Lauren and Darcy. I mean, well, Kieran's outfits are so abundant. Yeah, but, yeah, outfits just slap every single time. Both, um, I feel like a lot of people they tend uh, the the outfits are pretty similar because even the women in the comic do wear more masculine clothes most of the time like shirts and pants so I don't feel like there's much of a difference you know it's like a little frill here a little loud you know blossom or something you know mm-hmm. large sleeves or something but it's mainly pretty simple outfits usually the blue sleeves and the turtlenecks are like the like you know high collars oh I love it yeah Lauren's wearing a bunch of ruffles by the way during the party yeah, stop saying you, so, Lauren. Mm-hmm. I don't trust you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that theory might be a little too in depth. <laughs> I mean, I mean Rachel poorly. was wearing two ruffles and look where she ended up. So, like in the 49 flashback. <laughs> so, I mean, we were on the nose with that. Do you want me to continue with the the next scene? Oh, yeah, we're going into the next segment here. Okay, so we open up with a shot of Lauren's balcony. And it's a really beautiful image. We see Will and Lauren leaning over the balcony, not looking at each other, but clearly looking very comfortable with each other. And Will reminisces and he says, ah, the number of times we ended up on this balcony running away from the other guests. (laughs) So they've done this before. This is a repeat. This is... (laughs) They had boring parties before. And Lauren says, I admit, I'm tempted to escape through a window like Kim would do. And one has to wonder, Lauren, why are you mentioning Kim? Just asking. <laughs> I feel like she's pushing the ship as well. A lot. This she definitely is. <laughs> she's like ready for them to get married. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. She already has the whole wedding planned. She's <laughs> just waiting for one of them to propose. <laughs> yeah. But Kit Will is, I mean, the rest of this conversation shows he's not thinking in that direction yet. He asks, where is Kim? As hungover as I am, I hope. So he's, he's hungover and he wants Kim to have this, to suffer like him, basically. He's, he wants it for, incident for Kim. But Kim, instead, we see a beautiful scene. She's celebrating with her family. 
it's a it's a simple home. Um, it, you can tell it's small, um, not too ornately decorated, just nice and cozy. They're sitting, she and I thought it was her brother at first, but I'm guessing it's her dad are sitting on the couch and their mom is taking out like a sheet of freshly baked cookies. It's so sweet. And yeah, they're like celebrating. So young. I need this panel framed like in my room. They're so I'm sweet. So happy. Her mother is such a beauty. She's so Her young and pretty. So Her mom's so pretty. Anyways, um, I just want to point this out to make you guys all sad because I'm a jerk. But um, if you look at the sofas, there's room for four there. You stop. <laughs> yeah. I remember you said that. That was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the less deliberate like dagger pushing. This <laughs> Although the clock is like at, it seems to be like 2.55-ish. So I don't know what's going up, what's going on with the clock. I always look at the clocks and they're always wrong. I'm like, what's well, I mean, Kim carries around the broken clock, so as uh, broken watch. So I wouldn't be surprised if the whole house has a like, broken clock. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's something exists outside of time. There was the broken a- clock is like 2.25, I think. I, mean, I just reread it recently. Oh, I'm there was actually a weird theory that I was, I put on my tinfoil hat last night on no sleep, <laughs> and I was looking at all of Kim's panels of her watch, and I noticed that the light shines exactly on certain numbers on the watch, depending on the episode. Ooh. So I was just like looking at it, and they all kind of line up the same. It's always like 11 or 4, I think. 11 or 4 is always highlighted with the lighting. And then 64 and 77, or right now, 18 and 64 have the same panel, but so f- switched it, I think. She like flipped it around. Conspiracy. I like I know. It. I was like, this is interesting. I think it was 77 that the light just hit 10, 11, and 12 so perfectly. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Right it also here. hit it hit one and two as well and then i'm like well rachel and alex were the first some of the first two apostles one one and two <laughs> and then i was like so wait is 10 11 and 12 significant should i be looking out for this it's hilarious <laughs> yeah we're a little obsessed but i like how the living room is also decorated it seems to be decorated with fairy lights Mm-hmm. Um, probably in honor of New Year's. So, you know, they, they take their holiday seriously. They celebrate, they make things nice. You know, the mom's baking. So it seems like they have a really, really healthy family life and mm-hmm. they're warm and loving and filled with happiness. Yep. They're actually happy to be where they are. <laughs> I'm like, it's Lauren the only pure happiness and purple hyacinth. Lauren, uh, not Lauren, Kim's parents are so problematic. They're like, the only ones that aren't dead like the only pair of parents that aren't dead or about to die (laughs) or or terrible yeah (laughs) they probably aren't forcing her to marry somebody against her will (laughs) and lauren says i invited her and her family this year too but she declined and i understand her (laughs) yeah definitely um preferable she said she wouldn't feel um at her place I think she should be in, in place in our yeah, bougie parties. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, well, Kim does seem to come from a more humble background. And, mm-hmm. um, and also, honestly, like, yeah, it seems like her parties are much more enjoyable than this one. <laughs> um, the, I invited her 
in her family this year too implies that Lauren has asked her before to come probably like all during their friendships but Kim has never uh, for accepted. what two years yeah they've known each other for about two years I think and then Lauren she also said the the line about her saying that she said she wouldn't feel at her place at, in our bougie parties kind of makes me worry that like you know Will's world is a lot more expensive than Kim's and a lot more like bougie and fancy so I do worry that like if like once they do start getting closer and Kim does start getting more involved in Will's life that she's gonna feel like super out of place with yeah everything it'll get like a bit of culture shock I definitely feel like Kim would push away you know if she felt so pressured but will also Mm -hmm. could easily just put that life behind him and live a simple you know normal life if he could Mm -hmm. but But she kind of strikes me as a type of person who wouldn't care that much about these things yeah that too but it is hard when couples if you're if you come from different backgrounds like have different lifestyle expectations i think it is hard for couples to to merge that because you had so many you have so many hidden assumptions that you don't even think about until you're encountered with a different way of life and then you're like you know you're like wait isn't it normal to spend 200 dollars on a bottle of wine she's like no it is not you know small things like that that are just taken for granted in each other's life can cause a lot of tension Mm -hmm. i'm sure kim would uh be able to go to these bougie parties and you know fit in but I think in a long-term type situation where she's always in that world they would it would drain her yeah it wouldn't be healthy for her (laughs) but then it seems like Will doesn't like that kind of atmosphere either so I could totally see him ditching it completely yes there is hope where did we leave off um India I can't hear you Sorry, but yeah, I mean, I wonder if Sophie and F will, will talk about it, but uh, not, not everyone necessarily understands if like, if you haven't encountered um, living with someone from a different financial background, it may not be like on their mind in terms of, or it may not just be something important they feel to focus on in the story, but I think in real life, it definitely is a big issue. Anyway, just from my own personal experience. But Will says, couldn't agree more, no offense, I'd also rather be miles away from here tonight. Um, however, I'm sure she would make this night unforgettable for everyone here. And he sighs because he still associates Kim in his mind with like a burden and, you know, like, oh, she's so difficult. But Kim, you know, Lauren's laughing and she's like, only an ambulant catastrophe like her could save us from the dullness of this night. You know, she's, she's really enjoying herself. She seems very relaxed and, you know, just speaking about the people that she loves and then she, she teases him and she's like, I'm right, yours deceiving me or is our lieutenant starting to like his sergeant? That is a smirk on her face. She's totally egging him on. I love that Lauren is going to be the reason that Kiwi sails. <laughs> she's pushing them so much. Lauren's like, fine, I'll do this myself. I mean, she's willing to get kidnapped again if it means they get together. Yeah. So. <laughs> Later on, she's like, hey, Sam, man, can you, like, kidnap me again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she could get kidnapped, and then they have to work on, work together at saving her, (laughs) and then bond in the process. 
Sandman's like, but why do you want to get terrible? Yeah. And Lauren's like, you don't understand. It's a matter of life and death. And Sandman's like, what? And then Lauren's like, if you don't kidnap me, I may, I may never like or. Wait, okay. If you don't kidnap me, I may never have to third wheel again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she's feeling like a huge third wheel because these two idiots don't realize that they like each other. I mean, exactly even well Kieran said. noticed that they have some potential after meeting them for like a day. Yeah, he knew like, right anyway. See it, but them. Kieran was drawing fan art from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, he did. But like you said, Will does not, Will and Kim don't realize this because right now Will is like, in what world do I look like I'm even tolerating this lunatic toddler? I already have a fair-headed babysitting her and now she thinks that she can look after me? Mm, he dropped something over there. Some information that Lauren didn't know. Mm-hmm. And we have a little flashback to <laughs> chill, like child Lauren and child Will. They're so cute and adorable on the same balcony, dressed up in fancy clothes, probably from a previous party. And Will's like, why is nobody listening to me? It's exactly what I said. So I don't know what he's talking about back like 10 years ago, but they're so cute. That's a mood. What Will said, why is no one listening to me? It's exactly what I said. I felt that. I feel that all the time. Every single time. Like no one listens to me. And then I'm right. And I'm like, dude, I told you it was there. I told you. (laughs) He's talking about something significant there or it's just supposed to be like something random. That happened back then, like a childish thing. Or do you think it's significant to the plot? <laughs> I think it's just showing that the, the relationship hasn't changed much since you were kids. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. the point of that scene. Lauren has been trolling him as well from the very beginning. <laughs> and Will has always been this way, you know, mm-hmm. cleaning up everyone's else, everyone else's messes. Her, she, she's even in the same position, <laughs> you know, with her hands crossed, leaning over the gate. Yeah, and Will seems to be like the kind of person who, right, like you said, cleaning up other people's messes, but also his will, his will, his will is overrun, like he steamrolled, because here he's complaining that nobody listens to him, so mm-hmm. it seems he's always been pushed aside and his, and disregarded in terms of his personal desires. Now his own, his own person, I mean, like Will himself as a person is being pushed aside by his own family like he just he's living a different life and you know it's like now that only are they not listening to him but they don't even see him yeah yeah we're gonna talk about this a lot during the scene so lauren picks up on what will said and he said and she 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 smirks at him you know puts her hand on her chin and says oh so she looked after you huh (laughs) <laughs> will just like freezes and he's like stroking the banister with his wide open <laughs> like, he is quite. definitely like um considering that for a second like wait she did she did cheer me up <laughs> and oh, then Lord. oh my god the lord of the, re- the, the reference oh, all right then keep your secrets, keep your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i didn't even know it was from all of the rings um I read the books a million times when I was younger, but I haven't been into it since. <laughs> so that's cool. Who said it in Lord of the Rings? It was Frodo. Okay. He looked just like that too. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> so yeah, she has a teasing uh, look and then she asks him, what about that girl your father sent you to entertain? Nira Elena Darcy, right? 
And again, just totally teasing him. You know, it's really cute to see this banter between them and this affectionate relationship. Oh, but poor Will. Will sighs and bends his head down, just looks really downcast and says, well, you know, apparently I am of marrying age and she's from a noble family. <sighs> what more can I say? I am nothing against her. She's lovely, but, and he like pinches his eyes. Ugh, I feel so bad for him. He's like under so much pressure. But you, what, Will? You what? <laughs> you like someone else? <laughs> I love that Lauren is just waiting for him to say it. She's just egging him oh, on. And then he gets all serious. <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever he, he says like whether he denies it or not she's gonna know the truth yeah so she really wants to hear it i'm i'm not even thinking that he's thinking like oh but i like him i'm thinking i don't like her like that's what i'm thinking is going through his mind yeah that's you know, just I'm not true interested. like he respects mm-hmm. her but it's like i i just don't i don't have there's, there's no spark maybe you know that's what he's saying but he doesn't feel like he has the right to say it because it's just his obligation to marry her yeah even like in the next sentence like lauren who is his friend and someone who's supportive of him she's waiting for him to open up but he he can't even (laughs) express himself that much to her he just says nothing he's constantly abnegating his will and suppressing his own desires even to his best friend that's that's extremely sad where he's not able to stand up for himself even to the people who actually love him Mm -hmm. and we're gonna get more onto that because like i think this scene coming up with Lauren and Will is going to be so important to the connection with like the tarot cards and stuff. And I'll explain more when we get to that panel. Yeah, Lauren gives him this really, really concerned look. And she's now trying to make the push again, the ship. She's like, okay, Will, but who really makes you feel like <laughs> I do totally think she's plotting again. But now Will interrupts her and he says, Lauren, I need to tell you something. And his face is shrouded in black now. So you can tell that he is not feeling that great. And this is a dark subject for him. And I am glad he, he's opening up to, to Lauren and he is talking to her and with his own initiative. And he says, lately, I've been a little out of it. I thought you should know. And Lauren's looking at him intently listening. And then he turns to her and he has this very poignant look in his eyes. And he says, I saw Raphael. No, I know. I felt so bad for Will this whole episode, and I was like, "Poor Will." Kind of funny because, like, he just found out about Raphael like not long ago, and he tells Lauren right away. And then Lauren has been hiding so much from him for months. I know. Oh my god, it's gonna sting. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. really based on like this whole conversation. I was like, Lauren, like, are you gonna tell him what you know about Raphael? Uh, we could discuss that I guess afterwards what you think if she's making the right choices but anyway so she opened up her eyes wide and she's like what where and he says I saw him at the circus a few days ago he stops looking at her and then she thinks to herself the pianist and she remembers the guy who looks like Will and then she tells him if he's part of the pantheon it means he's been there for a while which by the way I'm just saying like theoretically he could have seen him at the circus like anywhere on the ground or in the crowd but she right away yeah, I didn't he didn't even see him, him at 50 and 50 what was it 52 or uh, whatever episode it was he like didn't even like he was right there <laughs> yeah, Lauren kind of like they you know 
he didn't tell her that he was part of the circus. He just said he saw him at the circus, right? He could have theoretically been a guy at the crowd, but Lauren's basically revealing that she recognized yeah. that he was a circus member. I think that um, that was supposed to be like a thought bubble rather than like, it might be an error, but it makes sense for it to be a thought bubble because it kind of follows back to uh, him being the pianist and part of the uh, Pantheon. Because later on, like Will doesn't respond to that. He just starts <laughs> talking like, talking about something else like he doesn't reply to um to what lauren said about him being there for a while like he does tell her that okay he's been there for a while yeah i think i think that is a response to him being to her saying that he was there for a while i think she's trying to push the topic maybe she's trying to put it in his head like if he's part of the pantheon hint hint it means that he's been there for a while so it's like maybe she's trying to reassure him that like even though it's not really reassuring but he's alive you know there just seems like a little discontinuation there. Like um, nobody mentioned that uh, Raphael is the pianist, but somehow, like he, she talks about him being part of the um, of the pantheon, but doesn't explain that. Okay, she also saw him, but didn't realize that it's him. I don't know. Just she yeah. could have said like, "Oh yeah, I saw a piano player performing," or like she could have been so like smooth about it. But <laughs> I don't know, Lauren. everyone does know that she was at the circus so that could be an explanation maybe she didn't have to say oh yeah i recognize him like because at least they do know that she went to the circus so that's true she could also be saying that if he's part of the pantheon it means that he's been there for a while because Raphael has been gone so long she just she might try to make it seem she might have been trying to make it seem that like a pantheon position is the most long or most I don't know long standing I'm not sure that's the right word (laughs) the position that's existed for the most time so like he if he's been gone as long as he's been employed by the circus he's probably a pantheon member maybe to be like well I wonder how that works if they're a pantheon member then you have to be there for only so many years like that would mean that even like Zephyr and them are they still look young, but then they would have to be in the Pantheon for like a specific time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Will says, hard to believe, isn't it? 10 years later, not even once did he reach out. And he has a little smile on his face, but that's a very bitter statement. Can we just appreciate for one second the side profiles of Will in this episode? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. holy crap. And very sad. I mean, that's the first thing I think of, just sad, sad, sad. And I'm glad he's talking about his feelings, though. I'm glad he's expressing his anger and hurt to his friend. And he says he's probably been in, back in our tallest city for years, for all I know. Not a single call, not a single letter. And then Lauren is thinking back to the messenger with the plague doctor um, mask and how they saw him outside of the Carmine Camellia, that was called. Yeah. And um, how she noticed, she says, Raphael, she thinks to herself, sorry, Raphael had a tattoo on one of his wrists, just like the messenger. And, you know, we see like the little edge of the circus tent poking out of the messenger's sleeve and she gulps. Now, my question is, is that, okay, it could be that Raphael is the messenger or a messenger, but what if Sophie and Effort just trying to throw us off? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, we aren't entirely sure. 
but I guess it would make sense since Bella was also at Carmine and she and Raphael are both. I'm a firm uh, believer that the messenger is hot and it is Raphael. (laughs) (laughs) I've been fighting for that, that panel that she shows of him from, from the Carmine. I was always fighting people like he's hot. And they're like, you don't even know what he looks like. (laughs) I'm telling you. Cause, okay. So weird enough, but like before it was revealed, when I saw that messenger, I was like, man, he gives off will vibes. I was like, you know, it's just like the way that Soph draws people is like, she does it really well. And when you look at this, it's like, Will and Raphael have both very similar body structures. It's just, I don't know. It's interesting. There was actually a theory going around about Will being the messenger. There was for a while. Yeah. But Will's too innocent. I'm surprised (laughs) if for some Raphael panels, um, Soph just used uses like a will head because right. <laughs> just changed it a little bit <laughs> so somebody had on discord has theory um i can't read my handwriting but the name was something with the bare minimum lily with the bare minimum oh you guys know mini mini maybe i don't know something with the bare minimum. oh it might have been mini yeah so yeah so she was saying um she was talking about the tattoo how the tattoo placement might be important and how um bella has a tattoo on her shoulder um, you know, they have the tattoo on the wrist. So maybe the wrist, wrist, the tattoo would mean like maybe the location of the tattoo indicates their position or their task. And she, we all, we noticed when, when, um, Lauren bandaged Kieran in the cave, that he had something on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So people are speculating either it's like from that gunshot wound, or maybe it's a tattoo that he removed. Maybe mm-hmm. he for, also had a circus tattoo and removed it. Back. Um, back when I was non-fast pass, I gave a few people in fast pass a minor heart attack because <laughs> I theorized that the messenger was the pianist in the circus because I was like, hey guys, you know how you all were theorizing about how the tattoo is like a circus tent? Because that was, this was like back in like Purple Garden. And then I was like bringing, I was bringing it back on FS and I was like, you guys, you guys know how you were, how you guys thought it was a circus tattoo, right? And you know how it's on the wrist. So what if the messenger is actually the pianist from the circus? Because like, you know, a wrist in your hand and you're playing the piano. And I think I gave some people in fast pass a bit of a heart attack. They were really quick on finding that tattoo and the connection with the tent. I remember I woke up and I was like, what is this big theory? happening and they were like this is the tattoo it's the circus tent I think it was in fast pass and purple garden that we when uh the season started I said that uh Apollo was Will's gay brother <laughs> and <laughs> now well, you might be right but like now that I'm thinking about it, I was like oh my god what if Raphael was gay and he ran away because his dad didn't want him anymore <laughs> I was like, wait, what is sad? But yeah, the tent thing, like, that's so clever. I would have never made the connection by myself. Yeah, it was really smart. I mean, to me, like, when I saw the tattoo, I was like, okay, this is like a chainsaw edges. You know, like, the only thing I could deduce from it. Like a ship sail or something. I couldn't, would never be able to tell what it was. <laughs> Just that little sliver. 
but she doesn't tell him any of this. She just gulps and asks him, how did you react? And Will says, I lost it. When I saw him, I couldn't believe it. You know, all these years since the ATST. Oh, then we get a flashback to child Will sleeping on a pillow with a letter next to him. And he says, I've hated him for leaving so abruptly, for leaving me behind. And then baby Will opens up, <laughs> opens up the letter and so sad. And it says, but I've also missed him. He never told me why he left. And the letter says, I'm sorry, William. I don't even know where the train I am about to take will take me. I wish I could take you with me, but it is impossible. Wish you will one day find it in your heart to forgive me. Honestly, <laughs> that's sad. Like he didn't put any effort in the letter. He should have left a purple hyacinth. <laughs> Can't even do this. You know what feels really weird about this letter? It feels like someone forced him to write it. It feels very flat too, like not very heartfelt. Like, it's weird. All the sentences start with I, like, I am sorry. I don't even know. I am about. Uh, I wish I could. And then the last one, the only sentence that doesn't start with I is, wish you will one day find it in your heart. And that sounds, that's a little bit sus. Why is it like so, it's so stiff, sort of. Yeah. And obviously, the the end of this letter is kind of like solidifying it for me that Raphael is doing everything against his will for some kind of reason. It's Mm -hmm. not something he wanted to do. Because obviously he wouldn't ask for Will's forgiveness if he didn't think he deserved it. Mm-hmm. And something that's a bit particular about the letter is, I mean, he starts it off with, I'm sorry. And I think that's genuine. Like he regrets this. He regrets what's um, about to happen. But he says, I don't even know where the train I'm about to take uh, will take me. Which I think implies that he didn't buy the ticket and he doesn't know the destination. It's all like very under wraps. Like he actually does not know. It was know. like a mission. Basically, mm-hmm. you, it's kind of like with Karen. You don't get the detail. You just do it. Mm-hmm. So someone else got the ticket and arranged it all for him. And then, um, I wish oh. I could take you with me, but it is impossible. Raphael probably has money that he was able to like squirrel away because their family is pretty rich. And um, so I don't think that they would have a lot of financial trouble because they would probably have quite a few, like a lot of savings, but it would make sense if like Raphael was in the PS and just wouldn't be safe to bring a kid in there. So I wish I could take you with me, but that is impossible. And it does, it does show that Raphael still did care about Will and if he could have, he would have taken him. Yeah, he just sentence I think shows that he wasn't planning. He didn't think you would see him again because he doesn't say, oh, I'll see you in 10 years or something. He just says, wish you will one day find it in your heart to forgive me. Meaning there's no indication of like meeting up again. It seems like he thinks he's not going to see him again. Raphael might be going into this thinking he's going to die. Yeah, basically because anyone who's in the phantom site doesn't get out alive. Mm -hmm. And I guess... I understand why Will, or sorry, why Raphael didn't face Will directly. Like, imagine having to tell the most important person in your life that you're leaving and you might die on this trip. So, probably would have been too emotional for him, and also he probably feared that he would break down and tell him where he's going, and that would be dangerous for Will and for himself. Mm -hmm. That too. 
he wants to keep Will out of it, it seems. And, like, if Raphael is the messenger and he is doing dangerous things, like being in the Phantom Scythe, he would want Will to stay safe, and that means um, limiting what he knows. Um, so this is, uh, he's on the last train before the explosion, by the way. Yeah, let's look at it because they we do see that. And you see this image of young Will, you know, racing along on his bike. And he says, I've understood him because growing up, I realized what he had fled, but I could never forgive him. And then we see the, the clock at the at the train station and it's at um, it's like 945. Like, yeah, 945-ish. Yeah. Because the next, was, what was wait, the wait, yeah. Next? What was the, didn't they say it was supposed to be 10, but it was delayed to 1030 or was that, it was supposed to be a 1030 is delayed. Um, is that Allendale? I think it was the final season that it says it. Wait, did he leave from the Allendale train station or something? Yeah, yeah like I'm it. pretty sure it's the train right before the explosion. Because the interior looks exactly the same as the one that was shown in episode 49. Oh, so. And the sunshine oh, is the same, the clock's the same, everything's the same, like... Though it's just Lauren oh, and Dylan aren't there, so I, that's why I thought it was like a different day. But uh, so it looks like the Allendale. So the clock had already passed. Nine four. Oh wait, no, never mind. I wasn't sure, but the clock seems to be at like I think you guys was nine forty five a.m. It looks like it's nine forty five. And so, um, the stuff that happened was like in the 10-ish hour, so. Says departures between 10 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. will be delayed. So yeah, his train was the last one to go. His was probably like, you know, 9.45 on the dot. That and then the next okay. train was 10.45 a.m. And that's the explosion. I'm worried for Will though, because he was crying in that train station. He probably just dipped out after, like just rode his mm -hmm. bike and ran away. But I'm sure, like, I'm wondering if, Raphael wondered he had to he had to end up hearing about the explosion if he didn't know about it he probably heard about it and then was like oh my gosh do you guys think that for a period of time because Will saw oh sorry Raphael saw Will at the train station do you think there was a period of time where Raphael thought Will was dead I think so yeah and it would be imagine how guilty he felt because he was the one who led Will out yeah. Then... Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> Why is it so painful? <laughs> You're making this worse. That's all that I always do, Phoebe. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, let's dive into how awful it is because baby Will is running out of the train. The train is flying out of the station um, and present day Will is narrating and knowing he's been out there living his best life while mother, all these years, I didn't even know if he was still alive. And you see baby Will, he's tapping on the glass of the train. And then Raphael is, is there and he's shocked to see him. He has this surprised look. And Will says, but that didn't stop me from thinking about all the things I wish I wished I could tell him. And then <laughs> Raphael puts his hand on the glass to parallel Will's hand. Oh, it hurts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> And the horn, the train horn is blasting and then the train continues and there's a foosh and baby Will's just looking after it and the train is going and he's just stopping and then you see his face just wide-eyed looking after it and he says he used to be my hero when I was a kid and then you see him crying on the bench 
in the train station. <laughs> and and here for you see, um, and from day one to the next, one day to the next, I had to start acting like he never existed, which is we can talk about in a second. But then it looks like it's a shot of Raphael in the train crying. Oh, I did not even notice that. I thought it was Will. I yeah, I thought it was. Wait, oh, I, I thought know. it was Will too, because it looks like his. It looks yeah, like he's right? still outside though, but it, I don't know. It looks like the sleeve of his arm. Yeah, yeah. I, wait, was Raphael wearing black? Oh yeah, he was. I just scrolled up to see he's also wearing black. It's, I guess it it's probably Raphael, and that's kind of the panel of like of the window. That's what I thought. But the truth is I realized it could also be his will's will in his hand. Oh whatever. Yes, I'm yes. gonna go with Raphael because that's more sad. That is more sad. Oh my god. Well, even when, when the train was leaving, he does he does look kind of upset. Like it's hard for him to do this. Because he has to see Will one more time now, and he already thought that he was done. Like he had already he saw Will one last time when he gave him that letter, and then when he sees him again, he wasn't prepared for it. Like all those feelings mm-hmm. just came back. Oh, oh my god! Oh, her look in his face, that devastation where Will knows that he's leaving him. Yeah. <sighs> mm-hmm. I love saying. that that he mentions hero like Kim with Dana. Like mm-hmm. Will and Kim both see their siblings as heroes, but not anymore. I would. This was supposed to be a party episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I came, I came into this chapter like expecting so many fun Darcy scenes. I got one and then I got slapped in the face with this angst. What the hell? With past angst. <laughs> this beautiful, brilliant angst. Yeah. <laughs> what is interesting is when he says, I've never seen my father angrier and my mother so brokenhearted. So, like, here come the theories, you guys, because, you know, I feel like there's one side that everyone thinks Will's dad is in the Phantom Sites, and then there's the other side that doesn't. And then there's me and Foot. Like, Josephine's an apostle. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think she's been an apostle for months now. Like, yeah. she's given me tossed vibes. So, but my, my thing with this panel is Will's a child. It's from his point of view. If Stefan is angry... Maybe he's angry because Raphael decided to jump ship and go on the Phantom sites to try to save his mom and heal him or heal her because his name, Apollo, is healing. So maybe Raphael's reason for taking on this life or death mission was to some way save his mother before she could die. Before she would die. Josephine doesn't look ill in this panel. But I think he knew, but I think he knew that she was sick because he didn't look shocked when Will told him. And either that's because Raphael's already been visiting her or he already knew before he left. Because like he would have looked shocked if when he said Will or mom's dying, you know, she's ill. He would have looked surprised otherwise. I think he was masking his face very strongly during that whole encounter with Will. That's, That's the impression I got also. Yeah, he did yeah, look surprised for a second. Yeah, and then he was just like, he's learned to put on the mask, so. Maybe mm-hmm. also he could be asking about them. Um, I don't know who he would ask, but like, you know, getting, I mean, they're like a noble family, so uh, it might be easy to find news about them. And he found out that his mother's dying. So to him, it's not news anymore. Yeah, and if we were going off base that Josephine was an apostle, so if she was, she would be considered dead, I would assume, because of her illness, or maybe she was just let go, but it's 
and because of that like she had to be replaced in some way and as like not blackmail but maybe blackmail like so that's why Raphael's in the phantom says this is just random but i want to make some comments on their clothes and then again about will's pov so starting with with Stefan, I think he's wearing the APD uniform, like the APD vest, and then he like, was the so. chief at the time, which is weird. Yeah, he was the chief, but like I like the um, sort of you know continuity, and it makes sense. He yeah. is wearing an APD. I honestly uniform. thought it was Will for a second before I kind of took in the rest of the panel. And then Josephine, because of the lighting, her dress looks black, but I think it's more of a navy since the cuffs are a lighter blue. But you know, if it was a black. It's like a morning gown. Mm, she looks so distressed. Mm-hmm. It yeah, probably doesn't so, help her illness. And then this does show us how Josephine and Stefan react to serious issues, like tragic issues. Stefan lashes out in anger, whereas Josephine just breaks and yeah. cries. So, and that is not healthy for her either. Yeah, that's a yikes from me, Chief. Yeah. What's also like so unhealthy is that they apparently chose to decide that he to pretend he never existed, which is such an unhealthy way of dealing with a situation to mm-hmm. just cut off like his existence. That's super painful. Like it was so chance. disgraceful of the family that he just it's not mm-hmm. even that he died, it was that he just doesn't exist anymore. But Will still has to act like he's Raphael anyway, so it's like this ironic. Mm-hmm. And then like we don't see any of their faces and I find that really interesting because you know the faces is really where we see their emotions and we don't see anyone's face in this panel and because it is from Will's perspective he doesn't know what's happening with his parents again like with them not being able to see his face Josephine has her hands like covering her face and then Stefan has his back turned to us and it does really seem just closed off to us and Will. So I just found that really interesting. But their body language is kind of suggesting Mm -hmm. how they, like Stefan does seem angry and she does seem very heartbroken, so. It seems like they know that he's, he joined the Phantom Science. They just, that's what I get when I see this. It's like, they just know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Especially if Josephine is like, she feels it looks like too, and she understands. It's risk. like, oh, it's my fault. That's what it looks like when I look at her. It's like, oh my god, it's my fault. My son left. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, and that's maybe why she like thinks that Will is Raphael. Yeah, and she's because, just so yeah. attached to to Raphael and like trying to make amends because she feels sorry. I'm waiting mm-hmm. for that moment when she like starts apologizing to Will, but it's she thinks it's Raphael or something and then it exposes something. Yeah. Well, that would be oh, so crazy. No, no I can oh see God. Josephine like apologizing because if she was like an apostle, she would have helped create the Phantom Scythe and if she thought that she lost her one of her sons to it, she would literally blame it on herself. She yeah. would she would be like the Phantom Scythe is my fault. I helped build it and yeah this is the consequences for my actions and one of my sons is now gone. And so by seeing Will as Raphael, she thinks that like, she's trying to repent sort of like. It's that, it's that like. He came back for her, it's gonna be all right. Um, 
That makes sense now because if someone who is ill and they their brain is only remembering certain things and it's only putting them in like one perceptive or like one perception because something is telling them to get to get that burden off their chest. It's kind of like the same example or concept of someone dying and a ghost still haunting. Mm-hmm. But it's like Josephine obviously has things to say to Raphael and if she says these things to Will and I think this would be something that could definitely happen. Mm-hmm. Hopefully she doesn't but, pass away. I'm really hoping that she is alive <laughs> long enough for the Kiwi wedding. I mean, they did give her like two, one or two months to live, right? So yeah. I, I have faith. I have to be faith. like 40 episodes. <laughs> yeah. I hope she and Raphael get to reunite because maybe it's like right before she dies, but I want Will. Both I of don't them want- together. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to see Will as Raphael right before she goes. I think I want her to see Will as Will and for Raphael to actually come back to her. If she saw both of her sons in the same room, oh my gosh. <laughs> She'd be so like, sad. Raphael? Raphael? Mine would break. <laughs> Two Raphaels? Will would snap you. Oh my gosh. Mm. but I could totally see the image of like Raphael like you know at his mother's funeral like when it's too late to even go no. see her one last time yeah. we I also we also were talking about the if Josephine did get healed by Raphael okay this is going off based if Raphael has the uh Itachi curse meaning you know he was a spy or you know he was good but ended up dead so but if Josephine did live and got to see like the kiwi wedding and it was <laughs> Raphael I would sob Raphael's gonna play for them at their wedding <laughs> oh my gosh true happiness that we will not get yeah. readers tears dream. that's what we're getting <laughs> we can dream gosh even if we do see that wedding I'm pretty sure they're gonna slide some angst in there like we can't just oh, yeah. have like peaceful episodes you know, also though, like as a Kiwi fan, I would be totally fine if uh, Will introduced Kim to Josephine before she passed and then they like get married right there in front of her. <laughs> like, let's just do it. <laughs> and they just jump, you know what I mean? Kiwi's kind of like those people, you know, they just, they jump for it and do it. Whereas Lucky is kind of like me, like slow. The next time they call, the next time Lockie like even acknowledges the other as a friend, they're gonna be in their nineties. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're taking their sweet time for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Lauren is um, tries to comfort Will, and she puts her hand on his shoulder and she pats him and she says, "Hey, anyone in your position would have collapsed long ago," and. Will at this point, like he's staring down over the banister, he's leaning down, his hands are crossed. You know, he's really, he's a little bit broken at this point and just contemplative and like really wrapped up in himself. And Lauren is trying to build him up and, you know, comfort him. And she says, If I ever bump into him, I'll beat him up. Which is five check him. (laughs) Lauren, I would love to see it. I want this so bad. I've been saying this for months, but I need somebody to beat Raphael. Can Kim do it? Please. I just want to see Kim (laughs) vibe checking Raphael. 
Um, I like how Lauren's it's how it's Lauren's like hand, like she taps his shoulder and says like hey, and that's what pulls him out of the flashbacks. Like the Lawy friendship is thriving. Mm-hmm. That line that she says, she probably meant it, but it, it also cheers him up. You know, he, he laughs and he says, please don't do that. Haha. So, you know, it does help him. You know, and humor sometimes helps people get out of their funk. And she says, Will, look at me. I'm proud of you, you know. She gives him a smile and like adjusts his, his collar. And she says, you were a little rascal when we were playing together. Haha. And then there is a flashback of, them as children and Dylan's there too. So they apparently all played together, which we did not know until now. Finally, it's confirmed. It's been a long question. And of they ours. played in uh, Rachel's and garden. Mm-hmm. I've been so, thank you so much. <laughs> By the way, I just reread The Secret Garden over, um, over Saturday because I wanted to know what was going on. And I also borrowed these books from the library. The Killing Joke and Ooh, Man Who Laughed. I've never actually read any of them, so that's yeah, awesome. I took it out specifically. Um, I just read this. It is absolutely sick and gross. But what, <laughs> but anyway, I want to maybe make a separate episode. When we, when we get to that episode of the podcast, I want to talk about it extensively. Uh, and I also borrowed, apparently this book is based on, The Man Who Laughed is based on um, Victor Hugo's book, The Man Who Laughed, like a French book. So I took, I have that on hold. Um, and Anyway, up from the summary that I read, I think I can, I already think I know why it relates to this story. But anyway, but the, the authors that were listed in the, in the episode were actually the Batman authors, not Victor Hugo, but I'll read that anyway, just to, just to be, to have the full background. Right. But anywho, so Garden, yes, they mentioned, I, I was thinking that the Garden, Rachel's Garden that's mentioned might also be related to the Secret Garden, so uh, speaking of the garden, um, when they said that uh, Will and Lauren used to play in the garden, like I kind of thought of um, uh, Ra- Rachel and Alex and then uh, Will's mother uh, doing like phantom sky stuff while their kids are playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a pop yeah, yeah. Being super suspicious. <laughs> That's funny. Gosh, we don't let a single detail go with that. Like, just like, all too, it. right? Mm-hmm. Rosenthal is the leader. Theater. Yeah, I still think he's the leader, dude. <laughs> he's so suspicious. <laughs> so, um, but then we have like Lauren showing Stefan's snobbery because she says, but even back then, your father didn't want you to become too close to the people who weren't as high perched on the social hierarchy as him. What a snob. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> what a boomer. <laughs> I need someone I to tell like, mm-hmm. Stefan, okay, boomer, and then just leave. <laughs> like, and the son of the gardener, even less. He made sure to rarefy the visits. So apparently, Lauren, I think Lauren is the one who isn't as high in the social hierarchy, and the son of a gardener is even less. So apparently, Lauren is not as noble as Will. Have you okay. seen Will's piano room? I mean, it's bigger than her hall, like Sinclair Manor. Like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> also the Sinclair's it does seem like from last chapter that they aren't originally from Artalis or like they do come from like out of town so it yeah. could be that they're new to town so I think F said they're pretty wealthy but um like they've always been wealthy yeah they're old money but not <laughs> to the level of hawk old money <laughs> yeah and I guess being in a new city I guess since they moved from out of town like that would they're not as established as the other families. Yeah. 
I'm being oh, lawyered. Like, <laughs> oh, this sorry. is the panel I was talking about. That's really important, I think. Mm-hmm. This is going to convince Will to get on her side because she's telling him, you know, look at yourself now. You've grown into a strong, resilient, brilliant man. You've stood up for your mother admirably. And no matter what happened, your kind heart never changed. And that's incredible. So I think him seeing Lauren being honest with him and like believing in him and saying, you know, be you, Will, that's going to help get him on her side. Definitely listening intently. Why don't you take some of this advice herself about like, you know, changing. Right. (laughs) Changing how she's living. Because like, girl, you ate one blueberry and decided that was enough nutrition for like 50 episodes. What are you (laughs) doing with your life? She's She's like photosynthetic. This is the most hypocritical thing. And this can't keep going on and definitely will. It's like, you can't, you have to stop living for somebody else. You hear me? Okay, Lauren, did you tell us yourself, please. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, you know, I'm glad she is saying that. And the funny thing is, Will says, he says, you're right. But then a second later, he's like, we should head back inside before they actually think, think where you actually ran away. So like, he's like, yeah, you're right. I should live for myself. Let me go back inside where I'm expected to be at the party because everyone expects you to be at the party like yeah he did not learn that lesson but the you're right isn't a lie either so it's like I think mm-hmm. he's just like you're right but then he also realizes like how the hell am I supposed to do that <laughs> yeah not everyone um has that ability it's hard to stand up to your parents mm-hmm. it's hard to just like change like that and Will seems like someone who's already gone through so much change that he's terrified more and he just wants to have some kind of normal path interesting that, that, that's very interesting right maybe even though he doesn't love his family that much maybe you know it's better than no family but right mm-hmm. not to say he doesn't love his family sorry that's not true sometimes you can love people even if they don't treat you right so yeah that would be hard and then like also we should head back inside before they think we actually ran away and then Lauren says, it's not too late for that, you know, <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, I just think that Lauren's going to end up running away. She's going to leave the city. I don't honestly, I don't like running away as like an ending because it feels like you're just running away from your problem. Well, it wouldn't be running away. It would be faking their deaths temporarily I, I don't see that as like the climax of the story because the climax of the story would be the resolution of like the ps and the you know the kingdom and the problems and i honestly don't yeah. think it's going to get solved yeah. at if all Luna, if loon doesn't come back um this season like around the end because i have heard rumors that it may be over like 70 episodes um i do hope that loon comes back for the climax and it's like the first time that we see like the two don the hats again and they're like luna's back in business yeah. and it's just how the episode ends and it's it would be so powerful i i like the running away thing because when we come down to it between lauren and karen and obviously it's going to be will and kim that are going to be part of this so they're all going to have money on their heads they're all going to have bounties even mm-hmm. if the city's saved and i just don't there's just no Maybe Lauren, but there's just no way that they can 
not end up in jail or prison. So they'd have to fake their deaths and like her parents and run away. But then wouldn't the story feel a bit unresolved? Like we don't know what's going to happen next. They've got the money. Yeah, they're running away, but they could be found later on. So you would want to tie up the story neatly. And I don't think that I running away not with a bounty on their heads, not really knowing what's going to happen next would be very satisfying because it sort of implies that there's still so much story to be told that we'll never really get. Well, like if they have faked their deaths then the bounties don't matter anymore. But if someone like Dokken was in charge of the city now and he says that, Lauren, there's only one way out of this and it's you not being here. You know, you have to, you can't live in the city, obviously. So it's like maybe Dokken helps her escape or whatnot. But obviously things aren't going to be resolved politically. Things are always going to be a problem and more issues are going to come to fruition. So I don't think the story itself is going to have like a nice bow wrapped up there's just going to be a lot of leftover stuff that other people have to deal with that loon gave them and lauren kieran kim or will or all of them whoever's alive probably will have to leave i just don't see them living in the city yeah but i don't really like the message that it leaves us with sort of like because they did technically do the right thing and then this is their consequence this is what they get for you know doing the right thing because what does that say to the audience like you stand up you, you yeah but it's supposed it can be a tragedy at times but it does know when to keep things lighthearted. ending us off on a tragedy where we're doing the right things our heroes have to leave everything that they've ever known behind it's not really well okay I don't so think, i don't i, I personally think you're don't think it that's in a wrong way ending. though I feel like we're in fan theories right now. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, so I understand what you were saying because like you're kind of seeing it as a half glass empty kind of situation. But I do understand what you're saying because like they deserve, they deserve praise. They deserve a happy life. They deserve to like being able to be in their own you know city and living their life and growing old and whatnot. But I also don't think that they're gonna want to. Maybe Lauren would. I know for sure Karen isn't gonna want to live there. But what came to me was the tarot cards. So for instance, death was predicted and based on what her choice is, it's going to be, you know, the result of death, meaning new opportunities and putting the past behind you and maybe putting the past behind Lauren is completely putting it behind her and leaving. I'm also not, I don't think that would be how- It's precarious because you don't want it to be the- Part, you don't want it to be where they're abandoning all their problems left like completely right and it's not like they couldn't come back to or it's not like she couldn't have communication with the people that she loves or whatnot maybe lauren will travel i just don't think she'll stay in the city you know after yeah, it's but all she's over. got a whole career ahead of her it doesn't i don't i think she'll either be like a private detective I get that. But what about Kim? Yeah, I don't see her staying in policing. She won't this. be. She won't be a police. She'll be a private detective. Karen, I don't know if you guys can tell. It's very obvious, but I don't vibe with the ending. With that theorized ending, it's not one of my favorites. Yeah, it's well. I would rather have it over the most popular ending of Kieran dying. Same. <laughs> I don't want that ending at all. I mean, but, I don't know. Like, Kieran dying gives me the same vibes as Lauren leaving. They, this is punishment for your actions. <laughs> but I see it as Lauren, it's healthy for Lauren because, like, 
coming from my own experience living in the same place for so long and then like around her age was when I left I completely just dropped everything and explored the world just like went out and did other things and I'm not saying that she won't come back it's just I think Warren needs to get out of Dallas like mm-hmm. she just needs a break from all of this because she's been doing this digging and investigation for so long that she's it's like she needs a vacation yeah but she should probably do it on her own accord not because people are out for blood and out for her blood specifically yeah it would just work because well like it would work at that time to to let them simmer you know what I mean mm-hmm. to let things calm down but I don't think people are gonna be mad or vicious about loon I, I think loon's gonna be perceived as like a blessing I mean hey maybe if we're lucky then Miss Nera Elena Darcy will end up at like you know the top of the government hopefully because I'm thinking because the council is the ones that have the word and unfortunately even though things are unfair I'm thinking of it in a realistic point of view that the council says you know we're we're not putting them in prison the purple hyacinth is getting off scot-free you know there's all these pros and cons to it so you know choose a side choose a decision what do you want to do and it's like mm-hmm. okay we'll go away for a while and then I'll come back or something I don't know and, um, oh my god we're gonna be on this all night let's yeah let's go back to the party okay I just want to say when they introduce that sweet sweet democracy into our tallest I hope Darcy ends up as like the prime minister or president or whatever title they go by I just want I want Darcy and Bella to just (laughs) roll together Mm -hmm. yeah your theory is interesting and and I do I do like the fact that like I am also somebody who left my community and like traveled and left uh you know went to a whole different continent when I was like 19 but um, I don't see that as being a good story resolution for all the reasons Foot was saying, because the story has, you know, issues. What's the issues? Lauren's obsession with the past, you know, uh, and the injustice in our palace. And in, those are the two big issues it, um, with, in the story. And they need to be wrapped up in order for the story to feel complete. So I, I would see that the end of the story would resolve the, the injustice in our palace and, and the whole issue with Lauren's past um, simultaneously and would end with some kind of something being resolved, whether the political structure changes, a war, rebellion, something. Yeah, like the hierarchy is gone, or like the phantom size is gone. Like so, there's obviously a new page being flipped here. Yeah, otherwise it would feel like the story, like you said, is unfinished. And you know, the main the main problem in the story is just still a problem. And and for, for some tragedies that that is the case, right? Like there are stories that are written as tragedies that where the whole point of the story is to show that human nature is terrible and like nothing can change and things will always be bad. But I don't think that this is that kind of story. Mm-hmm. There might I be some sadness and some it. tragedy, but I don't think that overall the message will be um, a defeatist mm-hmm. one. And just we, the story does tackle like the problem of sort of, you know, running from your problems. And we see that with Will. So I just don't think that mm-hmm. we would see Lauren, Karen, Kim, I would, Will, yeah, I would leaving our tallest be because that. it could seem to the audience that they are running from their problems and that problem would be a bounty. I would hate that if like they didn't succeed and they have to run away. That would, like, it's exciting, but it's also like, damn it, that's not. But maybe they do succeed, but at the expense of their own freedom, I guess, that they're no longer free to stay in their own 
and that's a, an own mm. lesson on itself because that is a valent sacrifice and people have done that in the past who are heroes who are people so are it's like more realistic I guess. cold and yeah I'm, I'm just trying to see it as a realistic point of view i think things will be resolved but obviously when a new page is flipped there's always going to be new problems so i feel like purple hyacinth is going to show us that it's a happy ending and that things are yay new but also like but they're never perfect <laughs> right mm-hmm. Oh, Mindy, we can't hear you. Oh, okay. Sorry. Do you hear me now? Yeah. 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 So now, um, you know, Will and Will and Lauren are headed back, and they're counting down to the new year. We have three, two, one, and you see a bunch of glasses being raised, and it says "Happy New Year." And then you see Kim's family; they're all embracing in their living room. Very sweet. And then we see. <laughs> We see our little Kiki just sitting there in his room, drawing, staring out the window with boxes and boxes around him. Gosh, that so, room depresses me. Mm-hmm. What do you think of doing what? anything else on New Year's Eve other than sitting in that room and drawing? I just can't see him doing anything. He needs a slap in the face. <laughs> Dude. But like, it's not, it's not that bad like if he's drawing it means that he has something fueling his humanity so I don't yeah know, i see there's a win like it's, yeah. it's a good thing that he's drawing when karen's drawing i think it is a good thing so he's content what do you think are in those boxes before we like continue with the rest of the scene do you think i wish it's, i thought it was art from the very yeah. beginning I've a lot of drawings. Do you think there's also some files there? Case files or that's what I'm saying, guys. Like 64. That or what is it 64? It's the panel of the the vertical panel of his room. And it's so depressing because you think, oh my god, that's probably like every drawing from when he first started, and all those memories are just in these boxes. And it's so sad. A lot of drawings though. I, I I wonder if any of that is like important information that he maybe like to build up a case against the leader or something. There's probably drawings of Dylan in there. Like, great. <laughs> Love this. He's Maybe probably someone... the type that doesn't can't bear to throw away anything. So he keeps away every single drawing he does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that too though. But yeah, but he does he doesn't seem super sad in this picture. Like he just seems relaxed mm, yeah. in this picture. Yeah. Because like Karen could never like um, do art commissions because he would get too attached to his art and refuse to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So he's looking up at the window and he's looking at the moon, which, by the way, is French and is loon. <laughs> just to mention really quick, does anyone know what year this was? Is it 2019 that that soap was based in the, the year off of the calendar? Does anyone remember? Um, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's 2019. Okay, I was just looking at the moon. I looked at the moon phases when Loon first met, and it's accurate, but like, well, it's just like the days on this comic, it's not accurate. So, all right, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, and the sweet thing is, is that you see a shot of just the moon, and then you see Lauren looking at the same moon. Oh, the two Loon members are looking Yay. at the moon. They are connected people, they are soulmates. Okay, we love that. It's just coincidence that uh, (laughs) it's just coincidence that the moon is right in front of the window and Lauren can't sleep. She could have been looking at the ceiling, but she's supposed to look at the moon. So, 
I mean, the moon would technically be the brightest thing, and just by like human nature, your eye would be your drawn to it most because it God is. Damn the it, stop! <laughs> it, it also makes sense with Kieran. Like that is the brightest thing in that room. He doesn't have his lamp on. You're gonna so, make all the know. shippers cry. Oh, food! That's no, no, really no, my because... favorite hobby. Okay. <laughs> If this was real life, yes, but this is a story and people, and this is, this, the story has people behind it. And Soph and F have staged this so that we know that they're staring at the same moon. It's not real life. It's a story. Exactly. <laughs> and it's confirmed. There's a meaning behind it. They're going to get together eventually. It's confirmed. <laughs> Wait, is it confirmed? <laughs> We're trying. Yes. Yeah, really? same with Kiwi. Wait. Yeah, they're both confirmed really because I did see a question about okay I, I, I saw something related but I never saw this confirmed. there's also like, the question about the kiss which I've said eventually you will see who kisses who first I can go to sleep happy <laughs> <laughs> we all said it's Lauren but I'm just gonna say Kira just because I probably thinks that we're all gonna say Lauren sorry the people the couple kissing first is Dockistan <laughs> Well, no, yeah, like the first couple, but, mind. but I was talking about between Loki, like who would kiss first, Lauren or Karen? But yeah, that oh, can stand. Uh, I would love that as a person. I not know that they confirmed that. It like changes everything because I was still in the back of my mind thinking maybe that they could just be a, a good friendship. Huh. Now, I've said that there is romance. It's just drama, tragedy, mystery romance. But I've said it, that she does. Is it low-key romance or is it like? She said you know, it's slow burn. It's going to, it's going to it's definitely going to spice up. Think season three is probably going to be a lot of fan service. And she did say it's her favorite ship yet. too. Yeah. So, uh, lucky. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Thank you for informing me of this. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, anywho, Lauren is lying there in bed, which, by the way, the last time, okay, not exactly the last time, but one of the times we've seen Lauren lying in bed was in Kieran's house, just saying, okay? That was the last time she slept. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Congrats on Lauren for being somewhat able to be in the vicinity of a bed. <laughs> She's not sleeping, yeah. unfortunately. And she didn't eat you. earlier either, but... Yeah, she didn't eat at all. Well, she's going to drink now, so at least she's not going to drink. But let's just say I'm going to speculate that the best sleep she ever had was at Kieran's house. Just that. <laughs> but what we've seen so far it does seem that way. It's because you sleep in a smaller house compared to like a big giant house. Oh, it's because of Kieran's scent on that pillow. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hello. Oh my god. Definitely oh, not. giving me flashbacks to like toxic shippers. Oh my god. <laughs> actually with 37 though i mean their sexual tension was already built up quite a bit so like mm-hmm. that's not oh, yeah, unrealistic to think about as well you know when she's like what the hell am i doing here that is- <laughs> it would have been toxic if it was after you know yeah yeah that, that would have been toxic like <laughs> yikes if i could i would there are so many just like inappropriate comments in that episode I just want to like burn the comment section alive it is terrifying I saw I think you were the one who wrote about it today right you wrote this long piece about it comment somebody wrote wrote it today and it posted in the discord I totally agreed discord no it was on Facebook it was on Instagram someone posted a whole thing about 
really like dumb comments. And that's what, something I actually noticed when I started reading webtoons is that people talk very in very exaggerated tones. Um, mm-hmm. I was used to like more moderate, like kind of like saying what you feel, but then I realized people talk very exaggeratedly. So I think, I think that's like where a lot of that comes from, but yeah, a lot of it is like really unhealthy. Like the comments. Yeah. Like, it's just that okay. shipper mentality, like from Voltron. I don't know if oh you God. know about the Voltron fandom, Dear but Lord. basically like oh the shippers God. for Voltron are a terrifying army and they go above and beyond. So, Yeah, I think it is um, Had who made that post, uh, Hadzi, but mm-hmm. Fan Theories has discussed this issue thoroughly multiple Many times. Many times. <laughs> and it isn't just 43, it is also 73. <laughs> I, I don't even know how that has happened. The webtoon comments scare me. I think that's like, uh. <laughs> like there's a time and a place, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, can you thirst and and not be toxic later down the road? Will Karen throw his shirt off and we get a whole bunch of fan service and you want to scream about it and it's appropriate? Hell yeah, then go ahead. But it's like not when he's hung up on chains, please. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to make the trauma sexy. Thank you very much. I do think that is a thing, though. I mean, like, I've mentioned this before. Like, I've always had a thing for abused, tortured people. And there's something called torture porn. And I've realized, like, I personally don't watch violent stuff. But, like, that's definitely something that, that's a common theme. And I did think of it as, like, the, um, you know, when I saw that here, um, that is something, like, obviously, it was very a small amount. And it was it's there to give us a background of what he experienced. But um, I think I think it does. I mean, I know I personally like I find that very compelling, and it's not healthy. Like, and I've said this before. Like, I realize like in real life when you meet people who come from an abused background, it's very like it usually leaves a lot of scars emotionally that are difficult to deal with. But um, but yeah, I understand the the appeal of that. I feel like for Kieran, it definitely wouldn't be. But uh, I've stated this before. I wrote a huge thing. I think it was with Minnie. We were talking about Kieran and like how he's not a little wimpy, you know, guy. He's very mm-hmm. strong, resilient. For Kieran, if he was a normal guy and he wasn't a purple hyacinth, like I could see that maybe he would have a kink. Anyone could. And, you know, that's it. obviously when they have normal lives. But Kieran, who was like, he, he was brought on by this. Like he's been living with this torture for so long. It's like, I can't. I imagine if in any kind of intimate or sexual situation, it would definitely trigger him and it would be bad. Well, thought he would have a sexual like kink to, for that. Okay. No, um, I don't think he wouldn't. PG-13, I think it's best if we move on and then maybe pick up yeah, this, this discussion once the recording is done. Basically, all I want to say was he wouldn't, I feel like it would just be very traumatizing for him. So it's like when people sexualize 73 specifically it's such a disrespect to his character mm-hmm. yeah so lauren apparently can't fall asleep which i guess is her issue a lot and says maybe a glass of water will miraculously make me fall asleep and she sighs seems like she has to deal with insomnia and she is walking downstairs to get a glass of water and she says oh i thought everyone left what are they doing up at this hour then we see Dawkin and Tristan sitting together on a couch, having a 
um, comfortable, cozy conversation. They're sitting, the fireplace is there, they're on the couch together. They're um, not cuddling, oh well, but they are close together. <laughs> and they're having a serious conversation. And I'm, I was very excited to see this because we get a lot of information from here. And mm -hmm. Dawkins says they're all so stubborn and their ego is so inflated that they simply refuse to accept reality. No matter what I do, no matter how many chances they're given, they barely concede to anything and side with the queen almost inevitably. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Philip may wear the crown, but the reins are in Lisbeth's hand, which is what we suspected before, mm -hmm. that Lisbeth is really the one running the show. And he's extremely frustrated. He's like, am I right hand for anything at all? So it seems he's really trying his best to get the country's government to change mm -hmm. and to, it seems, take the, take the complaints of the people seriously. And he's just mm -hmm. running against a brick wall. I'm just going to say two bros chilling on a sofa, no can feet we, apart because they are gay. <laughs> can we just look at, can we just look at Tristan's, uh, if, if anyone's listening, when he says Philip may wear the crown, but the reins are in Lisbeth's hands. Am I right hand for anything at all? Tristan's look here when he's looking at Dawkins is like the, the husband who would do absolutely anything in the world for his husband. Like Tristan would burn the world for Dawkins. I can see that's like the face I get when I see Tristan there. He's like, I'll do anything for you. <laughs> about burn the world because that's like a very bad thing to do, but he definitely looks very concerned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, we've also made in the past with like Doc and Beth, like Doc and Elizabeth burning the city to the ground. What's quite particular about this conversation is that there are no lies. All of this is the mm -hmm. truth. Yeah. Because this is from Lauren's perspective, she is overhearing them. So uh, this is a yikes for me. <laughs> and it does make me trust um Doc and Tristan a little more I do have that theory that they are like an older more middle-aged gayer version of Loon with less jumping across rooftops and more doing more like actual communication <laughs> yeah so this does make me think that like that theory might be true and so also like I don't know why or how Dokken knows that the fans of Scythe is you know obviously his spy so like if we're going by that Will is the spy, then he would be the spy that's part of the operation that's going to be happening sooner than later, aka seven overthrowing, mm -hmm. which is what Duncan says, the storm is stirring, meaning that he knows, meaning that the spy could probably be in the seventh right. operation. So you know what, let's finish the conversation and like, I guess do all the theorizing at once. So yeah, so they're, um, Tristan tries to comfort him. He sees the distress that Dawkins is in and he says, you spent all of your time as right hand advocating for the betterment of this country. And, you know, he pats him on the back and he says, trying to open their eyes. Even you can't fight alone against an entire cabinet of ministers. So it seems like nobody else in the government is really advocating for the people except for Dawkins. Oh, that's sad. Mm -hmm. And Dawkins is just concerning. He says, but now it's coming just like 10 years ago. The storm is stirring. Only this time, the Phantom Scythe has had an entire decade to grow in power, which, by the way, makes me think that he's not in the Phantom Scythe. Mm -hmm, that too. And he says, it's no longer just a handful of people ready to blow up a train station, which is like, just? That was like hundreds of people killed and tie up a dead man to be heard. Um, it's ready for so much worse. And then we focus on the fire. And then ever since the um, Avastars ordered the assassination of those poor people and like the fire is just getting stronger, foosh. 
um, they sign their own demise. And then again, the crack crackle. Called it. I was, called it. I was screaming when I saw that part. When I read that, I was like, like I can't believe we're finally oh, getting confirmation after so long. I literally I thought see, you go say your thing, but I have a thing to say afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought that pres- I thought the theory was dead. I thought it was just like you know the Phantom Scythe doing their thing and mass and doing the massacre at Orion, but I was right. <laughs> and, yeah, I think I, it's super proud. possible. I think it's a hundred percent. That's what this sentence sounds like. But I'm also suspicious of Sophie and F, and I think they might be wanting us to think that, and then maybe it's something totally different <laughs> because it just has those poor people. Like, who are those poor people? I mean, it makes sense that it would be the Orion massacre, but who knows? <laughs> I think it's well, Orion and then other other massacres that happened. Like, I think Orion was just like uh, the Phantom Skype uh, apostles are the survivors from uh, Snapdragon. I think there's something also before Snapdragon that it's just kind of, like the numbers just kept dwindling. Mm-hmm. I mean, as there were other socialist groups before, right? And like, what happened to them? That's been one of the questions. And my theory was that it was the royals who got rid of them. And yeah, it was right. Right. The Orion and like- Sons was just like the spark that triggered the Phantom Scythe. And it was like the the end of it. It was like they were fed up. Because, like, they got the pamphlets. They were ready to revolutionize. They were ready to spread the word. And then... They were spreading the word. It was too, that yeah, was but, XX 14. Yeah. And, and then they were massacred in XX, early but XX 16. But it seemed like, uh, it seemed like whatever they were printing didn't make it where it was supposed to go. I think, you know, their pamphlets and flyers and everything they were advocating for or, or something they were setting up didn't get done because they were obliterated before then and it also made me think that maybe Elizabeth was involved with Lauren's parents death even though Sandman says it was the leader's decision yeah don't feel like the royals are kind of part of the betrayal here that Lauren Mm -hmm. is gonna find out I don't know I'm just ecstatic that a theory that I thought was pretty much dead um is still alive and but I am sad that Dokken didn't say that Spymaster was dead because that would be my confirmation that the sake theory was right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, I'm not letting go of that theory till someone explicitly says that Stake isn't the Spymaster <laughs> or, <laughs> or the actual Spymaster identity is revealed. I'm still going to think Dana was a Spymaster who died and then Raphael had to take over. Yeah, I think Dana was definitely a spy of some sort. She was compromised, I think, because she died the day after and Raphael left the day before. So I think mm-hmm. they knew that their spy master was compromised because of the miscommunication and stuff. So Dokken had to like... Yeah, but this whole conversation here just made me not suspicious of them. It made me be able to think that like Dokken, you know, was probably part of Snapdragon years ago. And now he's just trying to, from within the government, improve the system. Okay, no, he's not succeeding. Yeah, he didn't succeed. Obviously, and it cost him a promotion. And then there was also Stefan just being biased against Herman because Herman wouldn't have been Phantom Scythe, whereas Tristan would have been I wonder if like Will's dad knew Dana or like didn't like Dana. Imagine the heart just... attack Stefan would get meeting Kim. 
Yeah, maybe he knows. Maybe he does, <laughs> maybe he does know Kim. Like, oh god, that terror. Yes, that would be a very funny reaction. <laughs> she should totally be like eating watermelon when she meets him. And it's like splashing in his face when she's chomping on it, like seeds go flying in the air. I could totally maybe. see him having the worst first impression of her, like possible. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll be impressed with her shooting ability. Maybe. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, when she's pointing the gun at him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Kim, though, I think that she's going to be the tether between the brothers because she already feels bad with Raphael but she was also she was listening to Raphael but like also you know she felt bad for Will so I feel like she's going to be the connection that will help them bring them back together for her uh for their mother mm-hmm. yeah, yeah given how she can't she can't see her sister again so the fact that Will has a sibling who she wants to he can kind of reach out to him but he's not like that would from her perspective, I guess. Um, like, Kim is so mature for telling Will. She had just met Raphael, learned that, you know, he just left. And then, like, she says, you don't have to forgive him, but you, should, you shouldn't have that guilt and that hatred and that, like, everything just hovering over you because one day he's going to be gone. And I want, it makes me oh, wonder if so Kim and Dana had some kind of, like, unresolved, like, something unresolved. Hey, I don't know, because it, they seem so happy. Kim seems to like have closure with the death, but I think it's very possible that she got closure afterwards when she realized that this was there was nothing changing. And mm-hmm. even though they ended on bad terms, and even though Dana is gone, she still loves her sister, and she knew that her sister still loved her, and that was what was important. I think yeah. also having a healthy family dynamic contributed to it. Because when Will mm-hmm. lost his brother, like, there was this hole that couldn't be filled by anything. But, like, Kim still had her parents. She still had people who, um, I guess, so, uh, and then as a family, I guess, to cope together in a healthy way with the loss rather than mm-hmm. uh, what the Hawks did. Yeah, and Stefan said that he didn't pressure Will for a while. and But now he is. And it was like, I think that either way, you didn't, you weren't good, Stefan, you're Poor Will needed therapy. He needed people. They all need therapy. (laughs) Yeah, they do. (laughs) We should get like a beach episode, sort of like uh, from Avatar, but like instead of going to the beach, they go to a therapist's office. (laughs) If if they would actually have therapy in this time, though, like since you know there might be, there might not be. I feel like it was mentioned somewhere, but I don't really remember. I feel like mm-hmm. someone asked F if there was therapy in Artolis. Let me check. Yeah, that's interesting because, well, obviously this, the psychological point of views, this psychology in general wasn't, it was frowned upon. So therapy in general, it was mostly here, take this and you'll be good or, oh, hell, lobotomy? Okay. okay. You know, it, it was very well, extreme. So this um, was like- Ford had psychoanalysis, but that was, you know. It, yeah, they um, just, uh, it was mostly just, bear with it or uh drink so um solace asked does therapy exist in Artalis? and f said yeah so oh it, it, it is like, like save all the this these nuggets like in a in some location where you can look it up 
Uh, I'm in the. I'm still in the old server, so I can just like search keywords. Yeah, that's useful, especially since we had a lot of old theories. I just like try to search up when I like want to find them. I just like search up keywords I remember. Yeah, I always forget my old theories. Yeah, I just want to say like I'm so impressed with this. I'm so happy to see like a nice normal conversation because. There's so much of this comic is based on like people not talking to each other. I know, right? Vital information. It's so nice to see two adults sit there and talk about things and there's no lies and there's no double guessing and there's no like holding things back as far as we know, at least. And it's like, whew, it's like just a breath of fresh air. <laughs> it really is. I, I was so happy with it. It just, and I didn't even realize it at first, but the more I was reading it, I was like, this is so normal and nice. Yay, talking and truth. It's so normal and nice, and yet what they're talking about is the next terrorist <laughs> attack in the city. <laughs> it was the spark that led, like, the entire plot. Like, yeah. oh, great. Let's just, yeah, that's a normal, casual conversation about terrorism and class oppression and corrupt royals. You know, just everyday things. And also something that I see, I just noticed, is that because Tristan and Dawkins seem to be comfortable in their relationship with each other, you know, um, Lauren and Kieran are obviously not, Will and Kim are, are not, you know, they're still at the age and the stage of their relationship where they're figuring it out, right? They're not together, but Doc and Tristan seem to be very comfortable with each other and they're not sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, does he like me? Does he not like me? Uh, is he going to kill me? Like they're not going through that angst that young people go through when they start their relationship. They're already established. They're already comfortable with each other. They don't need to sit there and double guess each other. They're just communicating like people who trust each other and who know each other very well. And, and it's where the city other. hasn't fallen to crumbles and pieces. <laughs> also, I'm like, well, I, like when I saw them though, I was like, oh my God, I wonder how the first kiss happened with Dakistan, like college life, like two cute boys. <laughs> okay, do you want a whole spinoff series? Just yes, for please. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. The more I think about it, I'm just like, I need a whole spinoff series on Darcy. <laughs> like those two. <laughs> Just Darkistan uh, and Darcy. That's <laughs> yes. So I want your opinion, Foot. So like if you think she's bi or not straight at all, if she's a lesbian. Like, do you think there's gonna be romance with Darcy? Like with anyone else? Not like Lauren, obviously. That would be weird. Uh... I mean, people are shipping Darcy and Lauren, but I don't think it that... would just be weird for the story, though. Like, yeah, you know, what I, mean? I don't think that they they're gonna go that. No, route. like, yeah, the shipping's fine. It's just uh, mm-hmm. for canon. I'm wondering, um, like, I maybe she's a lesbian. Like, maybe maybe some... there might be some like ace if... arrow aspects to it too. Like, maybe she she like women but she isn't like sexually attracted to anyone like that that's for me uh I'm bi but I'm biromantic so I don't have sexual attraction so then like I think it might be the same case for Darcy but instead of being bi she's a lesbian I guess like I don't know why not bi she just gives me lesbian vibes I feel like she's fed up with men yeah (laughs) she's done with men that's all it's nothing personal probably but she's just you know, she's probably tried to been courted so many times and all this nonsense since she was we young also, and she was brought up to be for a man, you know. We also have a lot of bi characters, so I guess it would be neat to see a confirmed lesbian one 
yeah I don't know I always thought that maybe like when I first saw Darcy and she's all rich and noble like she probably has this crush on like this cute little flower girl that like works at this flower shop you know some like cute college girl that has a normal oh. life and Darcy's just like haha wish I, that was me <laughs> <laughs> wish I could just have that um, I don't know about Darcy's love life I mean in episode 86 uh going through the comments there's one about how they're like okay so like there's one where they're like "Ooh, Darcy and Bella should kiss and I I don't know I'm a bit on the fence about that because like Bella is bi and she does give me huge lesbian vibes but like I don't know I'm I don't want to immediately ship her with a female character just because I think like I don't want to like immediately ship her with someone that like she hasn't really interacted with who actually yeah. exists in canon and who is um uh, uh wlw women loving woman because i don't know it kind of feels a little bit fetishy if i'm just like jumping to a ship it is uh, yeah. jumping to a ship just because it's like um you know a woman loving woman ship like or... the, the darcy and the lauren the shipping is a fetish but because we don't know anything about darcy and they just met but like platonically I mean, I ship it. i don't think it's I mean, it depends how you go about it. It can be fetishized, but I think it's more of an I think aesthetic. Most shippers thing. aren't fetishizing it. Yeah, I think a lot of the shipping is aesthetic because, like, they just look good mm-hmm. next to each other. You know what I mean? And their dynamic with like their friendship is very it, it's fluid. Darcy's introduction with Lauren and like how they communicated sound or it felt a lot like Kieran and Lauren, like the way they mm-hmm. interact, you know, mentally and stuff. So it was just like a very natural friendship energy that they yeah, have. Yeah, they get along other. naturally. So it's no wonder that a ship would immediately jump from that. But I don't know. Just I just don't want anyone to fetish, fetishize yeah, either. Yeah, I'm though. worried about the fetishization we might get from Darcy, especially since she is a person of color and that issue does, it is really relevant with characters of color and just people of color in general too. So um Though, if I were to pick, I would rather it be Darcy and Bella, because they feel like exes. But yeah, when people say that, like, oh, I want, when people are like, oh, uh, she should, like, kiss Bella, I'm like, I'm. (laughs) It's kind of random, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's random, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure if I really want to know why you think they should kiss or not, but okay. I feel like I would want, like, a backup story. You know, I think they both seem like very powerful figures. So, mm-hmm. you know, people do tend to match up with people whose personalities are at the same like kind of energy level. As them. That's why I feel like they're exes, but they had to break up because Darcy has to be with Will. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just cautious and low-key scared. <laughs> the just, comments that are somehow I'm up. just trying to make Bella happy because Bella has no one and I'm just I just want Bella a little happy and Darcy seems like the only one that Bella would tolerate <laughs> a psycho why would anyone care about making her happy I don't get it well like crazy. I mean, we don't know how much of a psycho is because like she we can't tell when she is really lying because uh, Lauren isn't around for a lot of her crucial scenes so like the whole bleak bluff episode we don't actually really know if it was Kieran who was bluffing. It might have been Bella. There is so much about Bella we don't know. And so far, we only know of her two kills. We don't know who else she's killed. But, I mean, she kills Sake. We can't really, like, complain about that. 
And then <laughs> there's Harvey, obviously. But I mean, that was to lead way for Kieran to get a position. So we can't complain about that one either. <laughs> Loki, thank you. APD Wait, what? So remember that when Lauren's in the investigation, there apparently are a whole lot of murders um, with the golden diaper venom that uh, Herman mentions. But I mean, she's an assassin. Like she also has definitely killed a lot of people. But oh. I didn't know if that was Bella because she's just trying out the venom yeah, for the first time. Like Harvey was her first out. kill using that poison. So all those cold cases before, um, they aren't really hers. We think she had a mentor. Yeah. Because that's a long time of cold cases and that's someone professional and Bella wouldn't have been professional at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Not to Maybe have cold cases the like that. cigar lady is the old golden viper assassin. Whoever it is probably killed Dana. And I'm, it makes me sad. Ooh. Uh-oh. I, don't know, I guess I just take Bella for her word. It could, you're right. I guess it could, I did see that theory before that maybe Bella is lying and she isn't really as nonchalant and evil and enjoys killing people like she says she does. But so far, I'm just taking her for her word. And mm-hmm. if she, if she is what she says, then she is like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I mean, we definitely need Bella. Like we just only have, mm-hmm. we've seen one side of Bella because she's interacting with Kieran all the time. Yeah. So how she interacts with Kieran is totally different how she could interact with somebody else. So I'm really excited and to see more of Bella. Bella was taken from the streets. And then she, in the, although she was, like she was an orphan in Grey Chapel. And although like Redcliffe, did find her she probably didn't have a choice in what he did with her because Redcliffe was taking orphans and making them circus performers and her whole thing is fire and so I just it hurts to think about a small child like if she looks maybe like seven somewhere between like seven and eleven I guess like her age learning how to wield fire I don't want to like she probably got hurt a lot and she probably had so many burns and it just, he was being abused as a kid. It is child labor. It was yeah. child labor. And, but what having Redcliffe a roof over your head is better than nothing. So. Mm-hmm. Child labor and was not a thing back then. She she it's still child labor. They didn't classify it as despicable as we do yeah. today. But it is. it was still technically child labor. It was completely normal for literally all of humanity until recently when we became wealthy enough that children could go get educated instead of working yeah. but, for but i mean just because it was time. normal doesn't make it all right no but like bella seems to take pride in being a circus member like she's she probably is making a lot, enough money as an assassin but she's choosing to stay in the circus it means a lot to her so yeah but it, that's her family pretty much we don't know why it, like it is her family but it she might feel like pressured to say because it is like the home that she was given like even though the circus has put her through like terrible things it is really all she really knows and so that is that might be a reason why she isn't leaving and then Redcliffe was probably like a father figure to her because she, she was seems an very annoyed by Apostle 7 she mm-hmm. she talks about Apostle 7 like He's some kind of icon. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I mean, I don't trust Redcliffe. He first he was he made a fortune off child labor and exploiting kids, and not just any kids who have parents like who could have consented for the kid. Kids from the street, like kids well, I, who are I, orphans. So I don't. I 
think I totally see it differently. I think he rescued those. I mean, I have to read it again to get all the, the context, but it seems like he rescued them from the streets, gave them something fun to do and made their life better. Like gave them a family, uh, you know, food and occupation that gave them respect. And they and said that he does donate to charities, even though that might be just laundering money. But, um, but, but I still don't. No one... Redcliffe is still on my shit list because child labor and like yeah. all the, I mean, the trafficking probably... Yeah stuff like that like that's why no one in ph has called him out yet because they they think it's a good thing like this dude like he helped orphan he raised orphans out of poverty like how is that not a bad thing and yeah on paper that's not really a bad thing but he did make himself a fortune off um child labor and it does make you wonder like were the kids paid fairly Mm -hmm. or were they just tools and then obviously the business isn't that great because some of them even ended up as assassins. <laughs> and I don't think it's because of like the pay, like they weren't paid enough. I just the the environment in a way where they just ended up as like what we what seems to be psychopathic assassins. Yeah, or psychotic more assassins. Like, like oh god. <laughs> it was like, you know, if they if Bella did, you know, join, she's already she owes him her life. So that's already the first problem. Radcliffe mm-hmm. owns their lives. And then it's like she wants to be in the circus. But it's like obviously the environment's not good if she ended up an assassin. So obviously something was forced. She was trained or given the option. Two choices that weren't ideal. I also don't think Radcliffe was the one that found her in that flashback. I think it was Raphael. I thought so it might have been Alexander. Uh, the legs and the, the, like the whole, sh- the whole, like their, the legs and the feet, it just seems too skinny to be like a grown adult male, like Redcliffe and mm-hmm. Raphael was still young at the time. So, and he has skinny ankles <laughs> and long feet. So that was my theory. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly choosing not to judge Red- Redcliffe before we, we see more of him. No, I'm choosing to judge. Like, usually, like, it's good not to judge, but this guy can burn, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, he's not what we think he is. Yeah, I want him tied to a stake, and then I want that stake to be burned. But why I'm suspicious is because they said uh, during the carnival, I think it was, like, 71 or 72, uh, Kieran says, oh, it's for the charity, but then Fleming's is a a banker, and then he's going to meet up with someone at Radcliffe's party, like so what's this charity money what is it where is it going what is it doing like who's it funding mm-hmm. just seems like there's a lot of financial uh topics in ph that aren't um addressed yet that are really important that we just don't know about and just like real billionaires i do imagine that the whole charity thing is just like you know to make it seem that like he isn't hoarding money and that like he is doing good things with it even though it's probably such a small fraction of his fortune that like it doesn't even really make a dent in like his net worth or whatever he like wakes up like oh i just donated you know just like real life billionaires i don't i think it's just a front to look good so the poor doesn't so the poor people don't like overthrow him and (laughs) redistribute his money fairly (laughs) he wants to make himself look like he's not in the phantom side (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. with Lilia, i feel like we don't know yet so what, what 
you know, listen, the, the ball's coming up soon, so we'll probably find out more. I mean, just like just like the leader, Redcliffe has been looming over this series from like almost the very beginning. And that's like a very sus parallel. And you know, the Phantom Scythe needs money and Redcliffe is rich too. Like he's probably more I would guess maybe as rich as the Hawks, but and more rich than the Sinclairs even. I mean his mansion is in the like it's really close to the Royal to Palace. The and it's like on the coast, right? He got a yeah, house. Sus. He's probably got underground, you know, waterways and super sus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just checked the map. He's got this whole plot right on the coast. Yep. And it's like, it looks like to be the size of Nightingale Park. This place is huge. <laughs> or like Al- the Allendale train station. That's how big it is in scale, it seems. Looking at the map. Oh, yeah, I'm going to put out my one more. Wait, hold on. Let me see if I can find it. There was like one more theory I had about what Dokken said. This was going by if Dokken is Apostle 7. um, Because I was looking back on the meeting at the Carmine. And uh, so Saik says, uh, we're taking precautions on the next batches, and they've already reached safe, uh, port safely. So Sake told Raphael that some have already reached port safely, and then he says the remaining will travel with our weapons. So the the boats with the weapons are still on the way, and then uh, he says even with only what we have now, no one would be able to stop us. And then Raphael says, "Good, I believe we all know what to do." And before that, Raphael had mentioned. Uh, the slightest shock could cause the ship to go up in flames. So I thought if Dokken was like Apostle 7 and he wanted to have a coup, he would have the weapon or the explosions that are already here for himself. And then the leader's weapons, he would blow up in the sea and they'd sink to the bottom. And then the the weapons wouldn't get there. So the leader wouldn't have it. Therefore, Dokken would have power because he would have all those explosives. Because he would take over the operation. Okay, so if, according to that, he is Mindy, I can't within the Phantom Scythe. Yeah, sorry. So according to that, he you're saying he is part of the Phantom Scythe, but trying to overthrow it. Or well, it. because Dokken is already he he said that, uh, you know, it's come down to the wire. Something's going to happen, so someone has to make the decision. So I think Dokken's that person that's going to. He's making the jump. He's he's doing the extreme, even if it's cost his death or whatever. And like, it made me think that you could you could blow up all those weapons and let them sink to the bottom of the ocean, and the leader wouldn't have those weapons, but they would still have explosives for their own. And if the leader was like, didn't expect that, you know, maybe he thought that all of the boats would get to the port on time. So those other explosives, he wouldn't know where they are. Therefore, like, it would be a threat to him. He wouldn't know where the explosives that are already in our palace are? Yeah, because right now the coup is taking over it. So mm-hmm. that's why they have the operation. It, it makes me wonder because I, the coup doesn't seem like, you know, face value. The coup would be, oh, they're just trying to make a big explosion and the next, you know, Allendale, but a part of me feels like this coup is just a way to gain control and to take over the leader, but not hurt anybody. 
that is if Darkin is the Apostle Seven. If if Redcliffe is the Seventh Apostle, then maybe there is going to be a big explosion and people are going to die. If Redcliffe is the Apostle, I don't see him bobbing his own ball. Because mm-hmm. like you know his property and he seems he seems <laughs> yes. to like the money so like Maybe I don't he think he would want to pay damages. Maybe he wants to renovate his house and he's just like let me just blow it up. <laughs> Maybe there's too- Maybe there's too much evidence that he's phantom sight, so he's like I'll just blow it up anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, I think our theories are getting a little Alex's <laughs> work out of hand. So that was fun. Lots of cool speculations and. A lot of angst as we were saying do we have any final thoughts to wrap this up <laughs> um my, I'm, i got top comment <laughs> that, was, that was amazing so i, I would actually have third top comment <laughs> did you guys another <laughs> different name yeah i'm just gonna so, say on this recording and if you're listening to this in the future Raphael is good i have faith episode really put him in his place. Um, oh, 11 people, like, as of this recording, have disliked my top comment. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if it was a misclick or if they genuinely disagree with me, but if Wait, they do disagree with comment. me, if they do disagree with me, I mean, it's not my problem. They can not enjoy her character in a, not, <laughs> and not admire her character. That's, that's on them, not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of the stuff that people write in comments is just totally exaggerated for the sake of being comedic, like I'm just being funny. So I don't, I don't know how seriously people take themselves when they comment, but that's my interpretation. I don't know, maybe people really do are so exaggerated, but to me, it's like so over the top that it must be like funny. <laughs> Anywho, that was a fun episode. Thank you so much. This was very long, not surprisingly, because there was so much content in this episode to cover. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all the things. It was so much fun. <laughs> thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, th- this was a thank great you for episode. Listening. It was very fun to <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. I think it was like one of the most content-filled episodes that I can recall. It was like, it had like everything. It had funny, like funny, cool stuff with Darcy and then like very like emotional stuff with, um, with Will and the like plot stuff at the end with Doc and Tristan so it really had like a lot of um and communication mm-hmm. between Lawi mm-hmm. and Dakistan yes I didn't I was too lazy to take notes for this episode and it's like oh you know it's it's uh it's a there's not that much in this episode I'll be fine if I don't come in with notes and this is probably the longest recording I've done so far for the I didn't podcast. write notes for that purpose because I knew it was so hefty I was like oh my god there's just so much because we're also bringing back like past episodes because a lot of it's brought up in this one and answers are you know told and whatnot <laughs> yeah and you're right this is the longest ph episode so far <laughs> yeah it's like what nearing it's like two and a half hours I think or so I have to eat dinner. <laughs> and Mindy, it's quite late for you. So yes. and you too, Lilia. So please try to get some sleep. My daughter, so she goes on a bus early. <laughs> anyway, ha- thank you so much for coming on and have a wonderful night. I'll see y'all. Thank Bye. you for having us. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Good night.
Thank you to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Lepris, Alley Cat, Chelsea, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, and Anne Rose. I really appreciate your support.